Heavy Cardboard, episode 144, First Looks. Coming to you from the coronavirus-free, as far as we know, HCHQ here just outside of Boston, Mass. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. I'm Ken. All right. So, hey, Ken, welcome to the show, man. Uh, good to be here, man. Uh, so for those that do not watch the YouTube channel, they are probably unfamiliar with you since this is your first time first on First time the on the podcast. Yep. However... Um, well, you might know Ken as the guy who is no longer welcome to game day and for live streams, but I can't seem to get rid of the guy. So he showed up tonight. So, uh, what the hell? Let's you know, go and record. A, a guy uses a couple of nuclear weapons in a game of PAX Transhumanity. <laughs> I feel like it's an unfair reputation, but I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. <laughs> so tell, tell folks uh, a little bit about you, a little uh, context, a little background on, on Ken. Yeah, so I uh, I live here in the Boston area. Um, I work at a school, so my jobs are have to do with counseling kids, but also uh, building the schedule, which is a good job for a gamer to have. Um, Strong on logistics. Yeah, right? it is. It is. Um, I have lived in Boston for about 10 years. I grew up in Florida. It's where I'm from and where I grew up, went to high school. And that's why you don't have the funny accent. Yeah, no, no Boston accent for sure. None whatsoever. And in my part of my part of Florida is a big military town. So like nobody really has any real accent from there right Because everyone's from somewhere everybody's else, right? from somewhere yeah, else yeah. so yeah so i sound like what i sound like but uh but yeah so been living in boston for about 10 years um and uh got in got into sort of strategy games pretty much right after we got here but that had always been sort of like it made sense for me because when we were in high school we like we my group of friends started playing dungeons and dragons but the game that really caught our interest was BattleTech. Oh, okay. I don't All know right. if you know anything about Battletech. I've never played it, but I'm familiar. It's the yeah, RPG, it's a, right? Battletech? Yeah, so there's an RPG, but the, the main game is sort of like a tactical tabletop. Oh, like miniatures? Giant robots okay. kind of a situation. Okay. Yeah, so we, we didn't have miniatures. That was very expensive, but we had cardboard standees. So, that worked, worked, worked uh, just that fine. subbed in. Hey, exactly. that works, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, and so, and, and my family always played a lot of cards. So it kind of made sense that, you know, um, but yeah, got, got here a group, group of friends that, uh, play on campus, um, where, where I, where I work. Cause my school is a boarding school, um, started playing Agricola probably around 2012. And we played that game every week for probably a year and a half. That's glorious. Yeah. So are you sick of Agricola at this point? Nope. It's All funny. Right. Yeah, we, we were at, we were like looking for a final game of the night at a game day. I don't know, maybe a month ago. And Shrey was like, what about Agricola? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I haven't played it in a while. And, you know, so we got about halfway in and Shrey's like, you've clearly played this game before. <laughs> yeah, well, once or a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not something we play every week anymore, but it's, it's really fun to revisit. It's an amazing game. So then I think one of us bought Terra Mystica. And then the next thing you know, off to the races. Yeah. Off to the races. So, and then started paying, I, I'm the games planer for our group back in back home. Um, and so anytime we get a new game, I'm probably teaching the rules and that's how I, that's how I found heavy cardboard because 
I'm out on the web looking for rules teaches. This is the this is the rules teach basically if you're looking for heavy games. Oh, so shucks, thanks. <laughs> See, he's uninvited from game days, but no, no, he's really not. Just, he's, he's, he's really not. So yeah, but no, it's nice of you to say. I appreciate yep. it, man. Yep, yep, yep. So the, and then you know, then all of a sudden Edward moves to Boston, and here we are. Right. Um. So yeah, you have your own kind of like insular maybe that's the wrong term but yeah. game group yeah there we do on your so campus, yeah so right? I, I run a game night once a week back home where where i live and, and to be clear when you say back home you're only like i live 20 minutes away right in boston terms that might as well be on the dark side of the moon yeah i realize but we're coming from like colorado that's yeah. like neighbors <laughs> right i mean if you if you know boston at all like there's the city where edward lives is about 10 miles out. Right. In and Wakefield. I live about another 10 miles out. Right. So we're out on the edge of the beltway, which feels pretty far away from the city. Uh, but yeah, it's really honestly not that far. Away. Right. So you have your own game group and then you come and to. And then I come most Saturdays to heavy cardboard and get, get to stream some stuff and stuff like that. So it's, it's yeah. So that's, that's where we are now. Um, yeah. You know, Boston's been good to us. We like it up here. So. It's, Despite the weird accents, it, the, the weird accents, uh, people are far warmer and more welcoming than I thought they than were the going reputation. to be. Yeah, hundred yeah. uh, percent. The the accent makes it sound very gruff. It makes them sound very aggressive up here. But I got to be honest, like when I, I'm sitting at the poker table or whatever and just hey, or, you know, you're in downtown, what doesn't matter. Yep. And you run into some folks, especially there at the poker table that like there have been some like just quintessential looking Boston dudes. You know what I mean? Like I all, do all tatted up and like just intimidating looking human beings, right? Yep. I'm six two two twenty, and these dudes are intimidating <laughs> looking to me like tatted up. It's got like Omerta uh-huh. uh, tattooed on his neck and everything. Oh, real heavy, heavy, like uh dropkick Murphy accent, yep. like Boston accent and the whole nine yards. Couldn't have been a nicer chap. Sweet people, right? Really, really kind. Yep. And I mean, obviously you have your 10% no matter where you go. But I, I will say, other than the cost of living, which is ridiculous. Yeah, here, it's pretty crazy. Uh, other than that, I have really enjoyed uh, being up here. And the town I live in, which is uh, a, a little suburb uh, called Wakefield, it's... It's very Andy Griffith, like the main street here. They have lights in the tree. It's just beautiful. There's a lake here. It's just, it's really, really nice. But man, if we could do something about the cost of living, but the rest of it. Yeah. Awesome. Really, really big fan. (laughs) So give folks like some context. Well, obviously you mentioned Terra Mystica, you mentioned Agricola, but what are some of your top games? Some just big picture wise. Yeah. So I'd say like. Of all the games that we sort of like cut our teeth on, Terra Mystica is probably my favorite. Um, the thing I love about that game is that it is, uh, it's basically zero randomness um, and uh, super skillful. And yet it still has a ton of variability. That's a really hard combination to find. Like you don't play ever the same game twice. And yet always the player who plays best wins. Now it has like the weirdest theme of all time. It's it's up there. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a really strange theme, uh, not a theme that I would normally pick out for myself. But the game, the game underneath it is so good that I just love it. Um, which now begs the question: Have you played Gaia Project? I have not. Oh, we need to remedy that. We should pro- we should probably do it on a game day. We, yeah, we should probably do that. I, I'm a little nervous about it. You know how like um, if you really like the Bob Dylan version of All Along the Watchtower, right? 
and somebody else tries to tell you the Jimi Hendrix version is the best version, you just don't even want to hear it. I feel a little bit that way about Gaia Project, right? <laughs> That's amazing. But I am curious about it. I mean, I've seen I've seen the playthrough, right? Um, I have a general sense of how the rules go. It does look like it's actually a nice improvement in some ways. I'm curious about how the board plays, though, because I mean, another great thing about Terra Mystica the, that board is so perfectly tight, and the Gaia Project board looks like it's a little looser and weirder. So. But I, I would love to give it a try. I'm definitely curious to get your take on that. Yeah. Since I, because I, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of Terra Mystica, yeah. and I never knew that you were. Yep. And Gaia Project, I definitely enjoyed more. Yep. But I still don't love the game. But I'm, I'm definitely curious because yeah, obviously I would love you have a lot more experience with that than I do, uh, in the uh, with that one. So yeah, cool. We'll have to, we'll have to definitely do that. So, so what's uh. What's been going on with you, like of late? I mean, I would say you know it's it's been an, uh, quite a while since the last episode, but you it's your first first one. episode so, ever. So for what's me. going on? Anything exciting going on with yeah, you? Yeah. So I mentioned I work at a school. Um, we are headed into spring break right now. This episode's getting recorded on a Friday, and uh, today was the last day of school for the term. <sighs> Two weeks of break. Which, so that's something that gets overlooked, right? Because the yeah. kids are all like, oh, yeah, we're going on spring break, go light our hair on fire or whatever, or, you know, travel in our Lear jets to go home to mom and dad, whatever. But for the staff, yeah, it's also a, a, oh my a welcome gosh. break. It's huge. It's it's great. So my, I, we're, my wife and I are super excited about that. Um, my daughter is involved in this thing called Destination Imagination. If you know what it is, you already know what it is. If you don't know what it is, it's probably too long of a story, but let's just go with like, it's a like a creativity-based competition. Okay. I got a lot of that in my future over the next couple of weeks. But you're looking so, forward to it. Uh, yeah. Which <laughs> to a limit. In the way that you sort of look forward to your like six-year-old's piano recital, like <laughs> it'll be good. <laughs> But not because like I'm actively excited about watching what's going to happen just because it's nice to be there for her. So, okay. All yeah. right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. You you got you, you were telling me about your schedule uh, when we were talking the other day and you're like, yep, I get it on this day all day. Then I get it on this day all, all day. day. Yep. That's the so, ticket. All right. And I, and, and I mean, in all seriousness, God forbid that they should win the districts because then there's another there's another week. <laughs> So going to support, don't want her to I really do don't want her to well. win. Yeah, I don't want her to win. I love her. I want her to be happy, but I don't want her to win. I think that for all the parents out there listening to this, they're all shaking their head going, yep, I get that. I totally get that. Um, yeah, I'm not there yet. Uh, right. But, uh, but yeah, one day that will be probably sooner rather than later, but yeah, things to look forward to, I suppose. Right on for me. It's been, yeah, a, yeah. It, it's been an eventful, uh, last couple of months. Um, so ever since really I did the, uh, five games for doomsday interview with Ben Maddox over on his show, five games for doomsday. Uh, I, I talked very openly about a whole lot of things and while it was pretty cathartic, um, I don't know, some things just kind of lined up just perfectly wrong, I guess. And it kind of put me into a bit of a, I don't know, not the best headspace, I think is a, a good way to put it. And some things have definitely fallen by the wayside. And 
So I've been going to therapy for, for the shoot. I don't know the better part of four or five months at this point now, four months, I think, um, which is definitely helping. Um, I have an appointment at the end of this month to see about getting on um, a med. And I'm trying to remember what the name, I think it's Zoloft. I think that's one of, I think that's what it is. Um, And here's the thing, like that's not going to fix anything, which I'm actively working with my therapist to, to work on basically getting me in a better place, right? Just in a better consistent space to where the highs aren't so high, the lows aren't so low, um, a little bit more even keeled. And things are working, but they're not working as fast as I want them to work, yep. which is, I mean, that's normal, I would think, right? It's not going to change. Anytime you're doing anything hard, right? Right. Seriously. Yep. So uh, I talked to my therapist about, well, what about getting me on Zoloft for the relatively speaking short term to basically this work that I'm doing to make me better? Can this kind of make the highs not so high and the lows not so low kind of artificially a little bit while I'm working on these things to where it just softens the learning curve, I think is a maybe a good analogy to, to put with it. So going to meet with uh, meet with a uh, psychiatrist through, through the VA. So my therapist is through the VA and so she's not a psychiatrist. So I got to go through a different thing. First appointment, end of the month, whatever. So, so that's, what's been going on with me. But the good news is um, I've been catching up on a whole lot of things that have fallen by the wayside. So that's a positive uh, heavy con stuff is progressing. Heavy con invites have already gone out at least yep. the first wave of all that. Uh, all the orders that were overdue were shipped. And now we're just working on getting teaching notes stuff squared away, getting patron update or patron uh, rewards all updated and all these other behind the scenes things that aren't content. And as well as if you're listening to this, getting the podcast on a regular schedule again, um, because this is this is definitely the harder of the two formats for me to do. Even though this isn't live, this is obviously all recorded and edited and the whole nine yards. It still requires a crap ton of prep. And it's just it's the harder of the two formats to do. And yep. it has less direct, immediate feedback, I guess, as far as like people, when you don't do it, you hear about it. But when you do it, you don't really hear anything about it type thing. Whereas, and there's, it's really hard to get numbers. Like what kind of numbers does the podcast bring in? Well, it's a little bit more nebulous and harder to, to, to figure that stuff out. Whereas, oh, on YouTube, oh, we got six new subscribers from this or whatever. That thing is a lot more, a lot more clear. So there's, I don't want to say gratification. That's the wrong word to put with this, but it's more of a tangible feedback that I can see and that I can hear and that I can read and all of those things. A lot of people are like, well, YouTube pays the bills and it's a profitable, you know, and it's a business and eh, it's not, it's not really like that because the patrons are where I get the people are under the impression that I make all this money from sponsored live streams. No, <laughs> really don't. Um, it's from the patrons. So the podcast is equally as important as the YouTube right. channel. So for those that are under that impression, um, hate to break it to you, but uh, you're wrong. And so it's just, it's just sometimes I get in my own head and I get into a bad place. And when I do, things don't quite work the way that it's supposed to. Is it an excuse? No, not, not I'm owning it. Hey, it's on me. Yeah. I'm just, it's, it's, the factual reason as to why these things have happened. 
there it is. But I mean, here we can see, like, it seems like things are moving forward. You can see like how many t-shirts are out the door and yeah, 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 yeah. right. Wait, see wait. the reorganization in the game room. Oh yeah. Like, everything is so much cleaner. Everything's yep. in. So, and, and I'll be honest, Jess has helped immensely yep. with all of that. And so she's been a, uh, been a, a, a force for good, if you will, uh, in regards to that. But still, sometimes it's things that I have to be able to overcome myself. And yeah. I'm not always able to do it in the timeliest manner that I want to be able to do yeah, it. And that. again, it's not an excuse. That's what I'm actually working on it's just right. one of those things that well i mean there 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 are plenty of y'all out there that really couldn't give two craps about any of this stuff i understand that um and i don't want to be rude about this but ultimately this is my show and this is how it's been from day one there's been a lot of me in this show when tony was on the show mm-hmm. when amanda was on the show it was a lot of them as well as right. well as a board game podcast and this is just i mean it's been a while and i figure i kind of not really owe you guys an explanation but i kind of want to just catch you guys up as to the why because i'm the world's biggest five-year-old and i always want to know the why so i imagine if i'm like that i imagine there are other folks out there that also think yep. like that i will say like you know, so having watched from afar before you moved here and then kind of checking things out it is crazy how much goes on behind the scenes Right. Like just in the room, the lighting, the cameras, the soundboard, all the stuff you have to do to prepare, prepare for a teach. Um, And like, you know, I work at a I work at a school with like about eight or nine hundred employees. Right. Wow. There's that many. Really? Yeah. That's a big school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So um, you're a shop of one. Last I checked, I am. And And, And obviously with with a lot of help through. A lot of folks. I mean, yeah. there, there, there are folks, the, the, what we call the small council that I've tried to get to pay and they don't want, they want to stay on a volunteer basis. Yeah. And then there's all of you guys that help right. with the streams, because if I don't have people to stream with, guess what? Uh, can't stream or <laughs> I, I suppose I could, but there's a guy in the Seattle area that does a really, really good job with that already by the name of Richard Ham. Yep. And, and, and then there's John from John gets games. There's, there's all these other people that are do, doing the solo thing. Right. right? And yeah. so I require your guys's assistance. So yes, while a lot of it, is a one man show. There is also a lot of other folks that do help. Yeah. 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 No, I think, but it's fascinating to watch because, you know, knowing how, like how many people I have to lean on in my job and knowing that like, if I screw something up or forget to do something, somebody else is going to catch it for you. It's just you. The only oh. person's catching you is you. Oh, oh no, I, oh, no, I guess, no! I guess the patrons. Well, oh, the you patrons, know. the viewers, the <laughs> listeners—they they will, they will. I assure you, they will let me know. Yep. Uh, zero problem with that. But no, I, I get what you're yep. saying. So now, ultimately, um, I'm in a good place. I'm on a good path. I think things are going in the right direction, and uh, now it's just a matter of maintaining. So hopefully, I'll be able to do nice. that. Uh, so let's see what else board game wise, uh, PAX East was last weekend here in Boston, which PAX East is predominantly a video game convention, but it also, the tabletop has a massive area on the back half of it. The front end of PAX East is all the video game stuff. Unfortunately, uh, some of the really big companies like Sony and Facebook pulled out because the coronavirus stuff, um, there's rumor that Sony backed out because the PS5 wasn't ready. They said, oh, it's because we don't want to bring the virus or we don't want to, you know, all of that. I don't know. The truth is somewhere in the middle. 
obviously. Right. But nonetheless, uh, that was a bummer because while I'm not as big into video games anymore as I used to be, still, it's a new system. That yeah. would have been cool to see, right? Yep. Uh, Facebook backed out and uh, some of the other really, really big boosts. So they had to kind of manipulate the, the show floor, if you've ever been to a convention, and instead of there being a lot skinnier aisles... The aisles were very wide and I never had a problem getting around in there. So <laughs> I guess side benefit, there's that. But the the tabletop side of PAX East was fantastic. It really, really was. They have a first look area that, and this is kind of cool. When we go to Essen every year, uh, last year, uh, a few of the folks, Matt Morgan, Rand, uh, Andy, all of those folks, kind of the higher ups, if you will, for the unplugged or and the uh, the tabletop side of packs, were over there picking up games and picking up pallets of games for the library as well as the first look area. So, like uh, games like Yin Yang and mm-hmm. um, Oath and all of these things that are either out, re- you know, really hard to get or like right on the cutting edge or are possibly prototypes. They got copies of of out in the first look area. So that's really cool. So a lot of people playing um, the gamut of board games from, you know, like exploding kittens all the way up to 18 XX games and everywhere in between the highlight for me personally, though, they had a crokinole section. (laughs) And I don't think I've ever really adequately expressed how much I enjoy the game of crokinole. And Crokinole, so the Terry Boards, uh, they had folks from Canada. Uh, These guys make the official boards for the world championship. And they brought down like 20 boards with them. And they had a little tournament and everything, but they were selling all the boards. And way at a steep discount, deep discount, because they were going to be used for the weekend. And then you could take them home at the end of the convention. Um, Let's just say... I am very, very familiar with somebody who happened to pick one of those up that, and that board might be residing downstairs uh-huh. and there might be an interview coming up with the, uh, the guy who runs, who, who manufactures the board. Also the sixth ranked player in the world. So inevitably I was like, like, I think I'm okay at the game. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm a world beater by any, by any but you, stretch, but you played a lot. Yeah. And I feel like I know kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I went up to Jeremy and I was like, hey, Jeremy, um, would you be so kind as to whoop my ass? Like, I want to know. I want to see what that level of play looks like in person, because I've seen stuff on YouTube and everything else. And for those that don't know, Crokinole, it's kind of like it's a flicking game. Think shuffleboard with posts in the middle that you're you're trying to score points and you're trying to, you know, manipulate your discs into the like center ring, almost like a shuffleboard or a. um, Oh, God, I'm thinking of the ice um, uh, curling, curling. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, but it's a round board as opposed to a kind of is, is, is it a Canadian game? Is that where it originated? I don't know if it did or not. I know it's a lot of Canadians that play it that are really, really good. Yeah. And that's where the world championship is. So I think so. Maybe, so maybe there's more of a curling connection than we know, but it could be. So he was like, yeah, sure. I'll be happy to. And, uh, so we sat down and, um, uh, Playing tournament rules each mat or each round. Uh, whoever wins the round scores two points. If you tie, it's one point. It's a race to seven. Uh, I got beat eight nothing. 
<laughs> um, where I'm from, they call that a thorough curb stomping. And at one point, he had a uh, a shot. He he looked over at the folks watching. There were a handful of folks watching him whoop me. And he was like, should I be nice? And I looked at him and I said, absolutely not. Like, I want the full Monty to know what pain is in this, <laughs> right? I want to I see what yeah. it is. And see you at your best. He left me in such a, just a near impossible situation. It was glorious. It was amazing. I've never had so much fun getting my butt whooped in a game. Nice. And then uh, I was like, all right, so I'll be back on Sunday um, to return the favor. Totally just talking smack. And and he's super good natured and talks mad smack back. That was fantastic. (laughs) And he was like, sure. So I came back on Sunday. I had to do, uh, I had a couple meetings and an interview and uh, some other things to take care of. And I was, uh, I went by and Jeremy was eating lunch and I was like, Hey, just wanted to see about picking up the board, this and that. He's like, yeah, yeah. And as I was getting ready to leave, he's like, Oh, weren't you here to kick my ass? I said, man, come on. I'm not that kind of guy. You're eating lunch. I don't want to ruin your meal. He laughs, gives me a fist bump, says, that's what I'm talking about, eh? And then uh, <laughs> I went, came back a little bit later, and I was like, hey, seriously, uh, you up for a game now? He's like, yeah. And we played, and he beat me 8-2. to two. Which means you you didn't go scoreless. Right, I, I did win a round. Just Nicely saying. Nicely done. Uh, like, I didn't, like, like jump up and, like, jump around the table or anything. You know, act like you've been there. Yeah. And he had some, uh, <laughs> he had some really complimentary. He's like, you see the game really well. Like, you can see a lot of the shots. And uh, he says, it's just the execution, which is practice. And I was like, play again? And he's like, yeah. And I, I was up to nothing on him in this one. Okay. And then I had a chance to win the next two rounds. Legitimately had the advantage in both of those and choked. Oh, that hurts. And yeah. needless to say, once the wheels came off, they came off and uh, he he beat me eight to two again. And his wife w- came by and was taking pictures. And he was like, yeah, it's he says uh, the outcome's really never in doubt here for him. And yeah. I appreciate the honesty because right. it shouldn't be. Yep. And he was like, but it, uh, my wife's happy to see me really having fun. Like you're making me work at it at least. And I'm really enjoying this. I was like. Call me a noble steed. Like I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then uh, there was cool. this. There was this guy Nick, who apparently runs a board game or a crokinole meetup in the Boston area. Uh, he and I sat down, and he whooped me. I mean, thoroughly. Like he whooped me worse than than Jeremy did. He he made one amazing shot that I just. Like I had it locked up. I was going to win this this round. Round. And he hit literally a perfect shot, and I'm just. Fist bump. Good job. Just yeah, you you were in that. And so gonna gonna get together and uh and and practice and play at this meetup. So that'll be a lot of fun. Nice. And uh Jeremy's like, so uh by next year you should be should be ready, right? I'm like, let's not get carried away. Cause apparently Jeremy has three sons, all okay. uh like late teens, early twenties, uh-huh. two of which are also highly ranked. Okay. In so the they're in, in the family business. Well, one of them actually helps them make the boards, but two of the uh sons actually are legitimately some of the best players in the world. So needless to say, they're hanging out at the house during the day. They're playing crokinole throughout the day and stuff, yeah. like at least one or two games a night. And yeah, so uh, I have my I have my work cut out for me, but it was it was an amazingly good time at PAX East. It was a lot of fun. Saw some cool video games, but I'll be, I'll be honest, nothing that really grabbed me. Mm. Root Root came uh, is available on um, 
some as a video game. Oh, no kidding. I didn't like just just a port of the of yeah. the board game. Yeah, well, okay. you know, but with graphics and like yeah. uh, like a story, it was it was pretty impressive to see. Nice. So, yeah, that was that was cool. But yeah, PAX East was a good time. That's uh, awesome. Let's I've see. Actually, I've never never done a con before. I uh my first con will be in, in over Memorial Day weekend. Oh, at Heavy Con. Yeah. That's uh that's a good one to start with, I think. So I and hear. It's it's, so uh, it's hear. pretty low key. A couple yeah. hundred folks. It's whereas you know, packs or any of these massive cons. Yep. Um, yeah. So looking forward to that. A couple other things. Rolf Sagel, uh, the co-designer of Wildcatters, as well as the upcoming Coffee Traders, is currently sleeping on my couch. Yes, he is. He, I had to be quiet when I came in. Yeah, he flew in. Uh, and boy, were his arms tired. No, terrible, I know. Uh, he just flew in from the Netherlands. He's here for the weekend for two reasons. One, to sightsee in Boston, and he could. And the second is, uh, after we're done recording tonight, we're going to be playing Coffee Traders. We're probably going to play it at game day tomorrow, and then we're streaming it on Monday. So really looking forward to being able to bust that out um, for an unpub day. Yeah, that's cool. On Monday. So looking forward to that. Is is Germany home for him? No, Netherlands. Netherlands, gotcha. Uh yeah. So um he and Andre Spiel, mm. uh very good friends and co-designers for both of their games. It's funny with coffee traders, they keep telling me, Oh, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. And it's still not done. And apparently it'll be uh, ready around Spiel time, Essen mm-hmm. this year. So I'm looking forward to that. So he brought an updated map. I think I have three copies of the map now. Or the board, I should say. Um, and each evolution, it gets prettier and prettier as it goes along. So we'll be yep. able to show that on the stream, too. So I'm looking That's forward awesome. to that. That's awesome. Yep. I, we, we, we got a little peek of that a couple weeks ago. And yeah. it looks cool. And now it looks even better. Oh, and nice. he brought more wooden components to replace because things have changed. Because they're never done tinkering with yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, and the only other thing to bring up is Gamma Trade Show is next week. Uh, it's an industry only invite only uh, type event. It's not a convention like I'll be playing games, but I'll be playing prototypes like I'll be playing. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Takenu from Board and Dice. I'll be playing Ride the Rails from Capstone. I'll be playing a couple others that are prototypes that we're going to be streaming for, you know, them later on. But it's it's very much a going to for networking as well as relationship building pretty yep. much. And uh, it, it doesn't suck that it's at the Pepper Mill Casino Resort and Casino in Reno. So that means on nights that I don't have any gaming going on and go play cards. That's kind of nice. nice. Uh, what's yeah. the, what's the poker scene in Reno? Like, I assume it's pretty good, right? Uh, yeah. Well, there, there are essentially two poker rooms in yeah. there, uh, but the main one is the pepper mill oh, so you're- and it's a gorgeous room. It's <laughs> really, really nice. And they have some outrageously big games, uh, especially during an event called Run It Up Reno, which is the first week in April, which is after I will be there. Yep. Uh, but I'll just I'll just be playing uh, either uh, one, two, or three, five uh, while I'm there, and and just going to relax and enjoy. And I've been playing poker. I went to the meetup uh, that uh, Andrew Nimi and Brad Owen and um, and Trevor uh, from Raising the Nuts had. They had it in Springfield. Yeah. Uh, mass it's about at 90 minutes away for a couple days a couple weeks ago i went to that uh, but i haven't played any poker since because honestly i've been working on catching up this the show stuff, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and i I'm, i don't plan on going and playing any more poker again until gamma when i'll be there for you know where i get my free time whatever yep and then uh not until the uh the show is completely caught up so really f- buckling down and 
focusing on that. But poker's been going really well. It's been a it's been a good hobby that pays for itself plus some. Uh, for the if last, only uh, if only every hobby was like that. Seriously, right? For the last nine months, it's been it's been pretty good. So that that's helpful. But yeah, gamma next week. So I'll be there from Tuesday to Friday, uh, and then back in time for game day on Saturday. And then uh, I think we're streaming something on Sunday. I can't remember, but nonetheless. Uh, it's only uh, essentially three days because Tuesday, since I go back in time, I will be there uh, Tuesday morning mm-hmm. through and I leave really early Friday morning. So it's only three days that I'm there yeah. and it's during the week. So no harm, no foul there. It's probably pretty intense, though, I would guess. It is. Uh, the, the trade show is actually I mean, it's mostly for retailers, publishers and distributors, but also invited media. And so it's just a chance to either connect with publishers mm-hmm. and distributors that we haven't connected with before, um, which that's a very small list at this point. But um, and just as much as board games are about the people across the table and the the personal interaction as opposed to, you know, and getting away from the computer and all of that stuff. The board game industry is very much like that as well. Mm -hmm. The face to face stuff really matters in this. And so being able to, even though I'm only going to like six, maybe seven conventions the entire year this year, including heavy con, uh, being able to hit some of these is, is still vitally important for what it is. I do. Yep. All right. Board game podcast, right? Yep. Acquisitions, dude. What have you acquired of recent? So I, uh, so my board game collection is is quite a bit smaller than well, the board game collection here here at uh, HCHQ. Well, it should. You're not yeah. a professional reviewer, so yeah. yeah. So I, my 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 collection's probably in the neighborhood of seventy or eighty games in total. I imagine that's the majority of folks yep. that are listening, if not bigger than some, smaller than others. And I'm I'm trying to keep my shelf of shame, that is the the shelf of games that I have not yet played. <laughs> as narrow as possible. God bless you. I, yeah. I, it's an ambitious goal. I have that goal. Good yeah. luck with it, though. So the the two most recent games I have acquired um, are I got the Kickstarter uh, for On Mars. Nice. Yeah. It, and I mean, I mean, God, that 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 Eagle Griffin production is just it's just it's so sweet. It it's not ugly. Oh, so nice. Yeah, they they so did good. a really really good job so good. of that. And uh, and Brass Lancashire. So those are those are the most two two most recent games in in my collection. We've been playing them a lot at my home group and uh yeah, both both really good. And I mean, uh it's funny that Brass Lancashire game. It's it's amazing that game's as old as it is. Because it plays like a game that came out last year. It's uh I mean, an evergreen or a Hall of Famer yeah. or what however you want to word that, it is that. Yep. Yep. So I those agree. those are, those are my those are my only two real acquisitions over the past few months. So okay. Um. So I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring it up. Have you played Brass Birmingham? I have not. Oh. So there's another comparison that I see in our future. Yeah, I'm curious about it. Okay. All right. Good. All right. We, I sort of figured I should get the the the, ba- the original, the original yes. first. So that yep. makes sense. All right. Yep. Well, yeah. So what about you? What new acquisitions for you? Well. I mean, obviously, there's more than what I'm going to list here because it's been a day since the podcast. Yeah. But uh, of recent, yep. we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, yep, as yep. recent as today, actually, oh. the the Grand Trunk Journey uh, okay. prototype from Spielworks. That's going to be one of the games coming out from uh, Uli and uh, Spielworks. Coffee Traders, because, well, 
that kind of just showed up today when yep. when Rolf brought it with mm-hmm. him, like a new version of the game, <laughs> there, a new prototype of that. Another prototype. Uh, wow, it's a lot of prototypes. I just realized um, at least there are some published games on this. Europa Universalis. I'm very curious about this one. Too. I am as well. Uh, I feel like this and Crusader Kings are kind of like almost sister games or brother yeah. games, however you want to put that, because they're both from Paradox. They're both yep. uh, massive uh, video game IPs and coming to board games. And we've played Crusader Kings, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Europa Universalis haven't played yet, but I'm curious to be able to when the time comes to be able to compare and contrast those two because at least. If you're familiar with it on the video game side, then the comparison and the the com- compare and contrast is going to be just natural. I think. Yeah, those. and I, I so I've played them both, um, video game wise, right? Video, both yeah. both both video games, and uh, spent a lot more time with Europa Universalis than with Crusader Kings, but you can see how they sort of. I mean, it's impossible because the video games are so complex that it would be impossible to really duplicate that in a board game format. But you can sort of see how they've sort of gone after trying to maintain like the soul of the Crusader Kings game, which is about like building out your dynasty and like marrying the right people and having the right kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to see how that goes with 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 EU, because that's it's has its own sort of personality. Yeah. See, so. both of those video games I have been in awe of. Yeah. And they're kind of like. You know how you have those games, whether they're board games or video games, that you look at and you're just like, man, I would so love to be able to play that. Right. I own both of them on Steam. How many times have I played both of them? None, because they're both those. Those are the most intimidating video games that I've encountered. They're they're serious. Yeah. And I mean, they're games where you have to put some hours in just to feel like you know what you're doing. Right. So. And I'll be honest. Uh, Poker or Crusader Kings 2, uh, video game-wise, poker wins out. So that's, yeah, there's only so many spare hours that I have. Yep, I hear that. But one day, I'm, I, I might, I might like, you come over or I come over and, and yeah. we sit down and we go over it. Yeah, because um, Brian Olmstead, uh back in Denver, he offered okay. the same thing with Crusader Kings because that's a game that has a massive learning curve. And yeah. so being able to have somebody be able to kind of ease that learning curve would be nice. Yeah. Almost a heavy cardboard of video games type thing. That'd be awesome. (laughs) So some of the other acquisitions, uh, just two more. Underwater Cities, New Discoveries expansion. So the expansion for Underwater Cities. I was kind of underwhelmed with Underwater Cities. Uh, so I'm curious to see if the the expansion, uh, what that does, what that brings to the game. Do you, do you have a sense of like how it changes it? Is it making it more complicated or just different cards? Or? No idea. Okay. Uh, 100% like the, the box has arrived. Yep, I have not it. dug into it yet. Uh, and then the other one is Clinic Deluxe with the expansion uh, from Album Viard, which I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Um, yeah, I, even though we played the prototype, I'm yeah, curious this is the to actually- copy of the, yes. the prototype you guys played. And, and yeah. to be honest with you, uh, one of one of the patrons has reached out to say, hey, if you want need somebody for a review of that game, and I was like, well, JT, I'm, absolutely. <laughs> JT knows his stuff. I uh, He and I have known each other for a number of years, so I'm looking forward to That's being cool. able to sit down and, and do a review of uh, Clinic Deluxe with him uh, on that. Awesome. 
Moving on to the anticipation or things that you haven't received yet or anything that you're hunting or shopping or fill in the right words. What yep. you got? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the game that I've been anticipating for the longest time is uh, Imperial Struggle. Oh, yes. The you sequel know, to Twilight Struggle. They they published the uh, what what appear to be the final rules. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Hold on. Final in ago. air quotes, right? I well, mean, I don't know. It's it's a theory. It sounds like it's going to the printer. So, well, yeah, but uh, I'm curious. Does does Twilight Struggle have living rules? M- maybe. Okay. I, I think they published some errata and some changes to some cards. after okay. the First edition. Came OK. Out. All right. But I think it's pretty much been locked in now. okay all right cool so this is legit hey it's going to the printer i think so awesome. so yeah so and you know it still says in final art on the gmt website but it's it's getting there so uh, and that's a game like it's it's not those games are funny because they're two-player games they don't really fit into any kind of game group dynamic yeah like, there's no way you can like bring it out at game day it hey really somebody want to play Oh, just us two. We'll go yeah, sit can, in a corner. Can you and, and I go play this four-hour board game together? Well, yeah. So, but uh, that design of Twilight Struggle is just so good. Um, so it sounds like I have somebody interested to be able to stream that. Oh, yes, indeed. And I, I, I have the deluxe version. Any there. old time. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, let's, need, I, I, I would happily have. And, and and so when Imperial Struggle comes out, we can compare back to back to back it yeah done i'm in yes all right good so (laughs) So, yeah that's definitely on my list as well but what else uh so i we in my in my group we we played all of the cases for detective city of angels which is sort of like a sort of a like deduction game uh and so there was a kickstarter for a set of i think four more cases that's coming i think it's called smoke and mirrors good game that's that's a game that we like a lot it's not heavy but it's a lot of fun. So is it, have you ever played Sherlock Holmes consulting yeah. detective? Is it like it's that? A, it's a competitive version of that game. Oh really? Yeah. So you can play. So it's one, one player is sort of like a game master. Okay. And then up to four other players are competing with each other to see who can solve the case. So first. does, so does the GM not really, they can't win or lose. They're just there to. So, Oh, if, uh, I if stand all corrected. four players fail to solve the case, then the GM wins. So does, is the GM like purposely misdirection? So th- there's a uh, there's a an interrogation mechanic where you can interrogate a suspect, and the game master has a range of possible options at varying levels of true. I am intrigued by this. It's pretty good. It's a it's a it's a really ingenious design, and the writing in it is great. Hey, um, what's this called again? Detective City of Angels. Onto the list it goes. Okay. Yeah. So, so smoke and mirrors is the, is the new expansion and that's coming out at some point. I, I kickstarted it. So, um, probably at probably late in the year would be my guess. Um, but the, but the, the original boxes is, is pretty great actually. So it's funny, like streaming, it would be weird because you're spoiling a case. Yeah. But, but, but how many cases come in the in the base game? Base game's 10, and then I think there's six more in the first expansion. Okay. So yeah. if we're spoiling 10% of the game and you know you put yeah, yeah I'd not be too okay bad. with that. Not too bad. Yeah. So I'm curious. So as you, since you've already played this, yeah. you wouldn't be able to be I would one have of to, the players, I would have but to you could be the GM. It. Yeah, correct. Oh, oh, I so see this happening. <laughs> okay. All right, good. <laughs> well, for doing that, I want to pick one of the really hard cases. Yeah. So <laughs> uh so oath is a game that i think is probably on everybody's list it's it's up there i've heard that it it has it's in 
It's still a very much a work in progress. Oh my god! I heard at uh, PAX East. So it's it's so interesting to follow Cole Worley, who I know you actually know a little bit. Um, uh, he's a great designer. Uh, you know, arguably a top, uh, the top designer, but whether he's the best designer or not, he is certainly the best writer of design diaries on the planet. Oh, he really is. They he are bar none. so good. Um, and the way he sort of like puts his process out there and the way he sort of like reveals the game before it is fully developed, like really takes some guts because I mean, you sort of watch with root, like it was a pretty different game when it finally got published than when he first published the rules it looks like oath is going that same route it's fascinating to watch and it does probably open him up to a bunch of criticism from people too people who like whatever version one is oh wait the internet criticism (laughs) (laughs) but uh i love the concept and you know i'm i'm super curious to see how that one's going to come out so i'm I'm very excited i kickstarted that one yeah i'm Uh, I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to that one it's gonna be great uh europa universalis is on my list so i i think there might be a copy of the like a prototype copy you're kicking around here somewhere. Yep, uh, so. we're just sitting directly below us, actually. Yes, uh, I haven't decided yet, but I am curious about the new version of Comet. That's not a game I've ever played before, but I like some sort of dudes on a mapish games, and I'm curious to see what that might look like. So I'm interested to learn more. I guess the Kickstarter is coming pretty soon. Okay, so and is that also from Matago? I'm not sure. Okay. I, I think that's who originally might, it put might, it out. It I might think, be. But yeah. Okay. So, right. but new art, and I think potentially maybe streamlined rules a little bit too. So, uh, and then the last one is one that I've been following for a while, and I think maybe is getting kickstarted later. It's this game called Lawyer Up. Have you heard of this one? Lawyer Up. No. So it's like a two player game. And the idea is that it's like a, like a courtroom game. The only other one I know is the, the trial of Louis Real. And I think it's uh, similar. It's got kind of a tug of war mechanic where you're okay. trying to like convince jurors. Yeah. Uh, okay. It sounds like it, it. So I'm curious now, now that you mentioned that, so it's not by the same designer. I just looked it up real quick. Okay. It's not yeah. by uh, the same designer as uh, Louis or high treason, the, the trial of Louis Real. And it looks a little bit like the artwork looks a little bit more, I don't even know what kind of style that is, but it definitely has a very different look than the original Victory Point game yep. version of it. But I uh, know I hadn't heard of this, and I'm I'm definitely intrigued. It, it just show- se- seems like a fascinating mechanism. Yeah, so I that I had no concept of who Louis Real was or why this mattered. Right until I played the game, and then I did a whole lot of reading up on you know his role uh, in Canadian history. Right. I had no clue. So same idea. Like if yep. there's something here that's going to interest me and it, it does it in a, in a, in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in. No, I hadn't heard about this one. So good call nice. from rock manor games, apparently. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's on your, uh, to, to hunt down your anticipation list? Well, I mean the obvious stuff, right? Like coffee traders, but that's kind sure. of here. Like that's coming, whatever. Right. And games that I'm going to be getting prototypes to, I feel like that's kind of a cheat, but I'm still allowed to, I'm a gamer. Yes. I do this for a living. And yes, we have partnerships for playthroughs specifically. Sure. But I can still look forward to games. I hope you're excited. Right. About right them. Seriously. Or, or if not, this is going to be a very short lived, heavy cardboard. <laughs> right. If I don't get look forward to yep. it, maybe not excited, but look forward to yeah. some of these games. So in no, particular order um there are two coming from board and dice that i'm looking forward to uh dark ages as well as the uh tekenu mm-hmm. which i'll be honest i know nothing about tekenu other than 
the the name honestly and they like trying to put out games that are really hard to pronounce it's is it it's the same team as like teotihuacan and zolkin yeah yep it's uh danielle tassini and david turtsy and so yes i'm in i i definitely yeah. want to check it out then uh dark ages which is a a medieval uh theme game coming out from them and that actually should be here literally any day so i'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that one that one's not going to be coming out until 2021 um but definitely a kind of a uh uh action point allotment game i'm looking okay. forward to that one uh let's see what else then there are okay so Grand Trunk Journey from Spielworks because anytime Spielworks puts out a game, I'm curious about sure. it. Yep. Then there is the uh, recently announced Metropolis or Metropolis, the the Metropolis, you know, because mm-hmm. Starry does their thing with that. But Metropolis is getting a reprint from Roxley. Ooh. However, I, so Metropolis is is one of my favorite. I guess kind of bidding game. It's yeah, it's an we've, auction game. We've streamed it right? a, a couple of times on the show, and in my favorite fillers, I think it. I think it play play time wise, it fit into the filler uh, category. Um, it's definitely up there for me. But I've heard that they have or are adding like some asymmetric player powers and completely revamping it. And huh, this is a game that I don't know definitely you know, necessarily needs this. It's one of those games where like, there's really nothing left to take away. Like it's just, well, yeah. So, so I think they're adding mechanics. stuff yeah, so that like, I don't know that I want that for this game because the game does really well at what it yeah. does other than please, for the love of all that's good and holy change that board. That is yeah. the ugliest board. It, Second it ugliest needs, board I've ever seen. It needs a lick of paint <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that's, that's a way to put it. Um, so hopefully with this reprint, they're going to, if they want to do that stuff, fine. Yeah. Just make sure that the original is playable out of the box as well. And I'm cool with that. So looking forward to that. Just recently, uh, Ginkopolis was finally, finally announced. I'd heard a lot of rumors over the last, I don't know, year to 18 months. Maybe it's getting reprinted. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's getting reprinted. Maybe it's not. Apparently, Pearl Games has okay. confirmed that Ginkopolis is finally, finally getting reprinted. And Jess, it's her favorite game. Right. Uh, and Or at least one of her favorite games. It, it has been for a while. So looking forward to that. And now that it's announced for a reprint, we'll pl- probably stream it. She wants to be able to teach that. And I was like, hey, knock yourself out. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she, taught, she's an expert. she taught several of us at, at game day. And she's got like a really smart teach for it that yeah. like. It's a hard game to teach legitimately because the way the game it's just a weird game it is very clever very good but a hard teach nonetheless so i'm looking forward to that one there's the hansa teutonica big box coming from pegasus spiele right i'll be 100 percent honest i don't know who's asking for this but i'm in hansa teutonica um dry as a bone but a really Wonderful mechanical game, which I'm on board with. Yeah, I, I like it. Dudes trading in the in the, in the Mediterranean, or I guess German area, the, the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, right. You know, in middle uh, in the in the Middle Ages. Yep. Yeah, sure. But no, seriously, good game. Castles of Tuscany from Aaliyah. Okay, it's so mysterious. Well, Castle. <laughs> it's a standalone. Yeah, like a follow up to Castles of Burgundy. Okay, I you have my interest peaked. Right. However, whoever called that the deluxe edition of Castles of Burgundy, that second, oh my, 
don't let them anywhere near this. So, yeah. yeah. But Castles of Burgundy, in my opinion, is a classic. And I'm really, really curious to see uh, to see what that comes up about that one. It's a good looking box cover. It is really pretty, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so looking forward to that. Uh, from Eagle Griffin, um, two games, Rococo. The quintessential midweight euro. The, it is 1.1 or is 1.0 Rococos. Yep. Uh, and I love that we have friends and and uh, friends of the show that named their dog Rococo. It's a middle-sized dog. <laughs> you have no idea how much that made That's me hilarious. happy. Yes. Uh, and also um, Kanban EV. I have Kanban. There have been like two iterations, of Kanban, but Ego Griffin and Vital Lacerda. Production, I'm in. Done. Sign yeah. me up. I, I I dithered and dithered and dithered about this during the Kickstarter. I uh, I it's oh my gosh, it's so nice. I'm gonna really regret that I didn't kickstart it, but I was sort of thinking like, how many, how many Vital Lacerda games can I keep in my rotation in my home group? Couldn't think probably of, I, not a lot. Plus, probably not a lot. Plus, you might know somebody that's going to be getting. It. I I know at least one person. Probably actually, I know several people who are going to be getting. Right. It, so. and, and I I was remiss. <laughs> I did mention Vital Lacerda and Eagle Griffin, but I forgot the the third leg of the tripod. Oh my God. Ian O'Toole. Yeah, so, that art is, yeah, is I'm, sick. I'm in. So, yes, sign me up. Uh, and then, um, have you heard anything about Twilight Struggle Red Sea? Yep. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't, I, I don't know more than it. It looks like it's so, sort of like uh, a shrunk down, super tight map. That is sort of re, sort of recapitulating the Twilight Struggle mechanics, but in a in a in a shorter time frame, basically yeah, thirty five to seventy five minutes. So yeah. are you arguably filler time yep. frame. Yep. Okay, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, and it's by Jason Matthews, who is you know one of the designers of the right. original Twilight Struggle. So if anybody's going to know it, it'd be him. Yep. So yeah, um, curious. I, I I saw a little bit about that. Uh, so looking forward to find out the the full name on that one is Twilight Struggle Red Sea Conflict in the Horn of Africa. Okay. All right. So it's a little like wordy. Two areas instead of however many six or seven in the main game. Right. And maybe so basically just, turns. Yeah. Reduces it down into yeah. a, the core. You know, it's funny. There are so many games that, out there that you could be like, oh. It takes Twilight Struggle and it reduces it down to kind of this. Right. So now Twilight Struggle is getting down, reduced down to Twilight Struggle. <laughs> right. So if there's somebody out there that could do that. Yeah. Might as well uh, be those guys. Yeah, exactly. So looking forward to, to checking that out. And another one um, here in abstract game that I saw a little bit of discussion on in the Slack channel is a game coming from Grand Gamers Guild called Gorinto. I think is how you say it. Um, I could tell you the theme. It's an abstract, but it looks really, really, it looks pretty. It looks interesting. And I'll be honest, I saw this in a very, very early stage at Grand Con last year, late last year. So looking forward to see how this comes along. And this is one that we're probably going to be doing. Cool. So working with them on as well. So looking nice. forward to that one uh, as well. So yeah, that's that's the list as far as anticipation. That's um that's a that's pretty that's good a sizable list. list. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good, right? Cool. All 
All right, so moving on to the looking forward to playing game. Now, obviously, there this is not an all-encompassing list, but a couple of games uh, on my list that looking forward to playing here. Uh, it, games that we keep threatening to to break out for one reason or another, and they, they haven't for whatever reason. The top of the list for me, the number one top of the list game that we keep saying we're going to play, and for some reason it keeps getting shuffled out, is Era of Tribes. Yeah. This is one of my most anticipated games from Essen and why we haven't played it yet. I don't know. I don't have a really good reason for yeah, it. It looks like the I mean the rules look like they're a lot, so that's probably part of it, but I'm I'm very excited about it too. It looks it looks really cool. It does. It looks I mean dudes on a map area control-ish type game With and civ building. Yeah, yeah, which um sign me up. So why we haven't played this, I don't know, but we need to remedy that stat. So that is going to be up there. Uh Bios Genesis from Sierra Madre slash Ion Game Design. I've never played this one yet. Yep. We're going to be uh, playing it because we have a stream coming up for it in a couple of weeks, a couple of few weeks, whatever. Uh, so definitely going to be playing this. It's another one of their sm- massive games in a very tiny box. Mm. Uh, so looking forward to checking this one out and getting the feel for this one because okay. I don't have a really good feel for it yet because there's Bios Genesis, there's Bios Megafauna, Yep. Two, then there's BIOS Origins, right? And you know, High Frontier. If you want to kind of the 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 Stretch four games, right? So I'm curious to dive into the the well the origin of the series here. Is this one that you played in a prior incarnation? Nope, no, not at all. So I will be coming into this cold. Although now I have enough experience with Phil Eklund's rule books to where I'm not nearly as intimidated about this as I was like a uh, BIOS Origins originally. So definitely looking forward to digging into that. Yeah, I mean, once you once you get that BIOS Origins stream done, like it's not, nothing is harder than that one. Yeah, right? and the thing is, so. the game itself is not hard to no. play at all. Just got a lot of rules. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's... It's difficult, but yeah. hey, job security. Yay. Right on. Um, right on. And the last one is uh, uh, the game that just arrived, honestly, today. Um, yes, Coffee Traders. I've played that one, though, in some iteration a few times. Sounds like several iterations. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Grand Trunk Re- uh, Journey, um, I, like I, every time I hear that, I keep thinking some kind of wonderful. Keeps getting stuck in my head. Grand Funk Grand Railroad, Railroad for those right. scoring at home. But yeah, looking forward to it because it's Spielworks. Not everything with Spielworks is a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by no means, there have definitely been some, some, uh, notable, notable misses, but it, I'm still a fan. They do interesting stuff. Yeah. And so I'm still looking forward to, to what Uli and them put out. So I don't know that much about this game. What's the, what's the deal with it? Players are essentially their managers of railway companies. Shocker railroads. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. Uh, but as far as that, it's, it's supposed to be some sort of pickup and deliver. Okay. Past that, I don't really know. It literally arrived today. So got it. Other than that, um, yeah, just just looking forward to it. Sounds like maybe some stock holding and some pickup deliver. I uh, imagine I think you could probably talk me into playing that. Yeah, I reckon so. All right, good deal. <laughs> okay. Uh, nice. So so how about you? Other than obviously Era of Tribes yeah. and that, you you were talking earlier about your yeah. um, shelf of shame. My shelf of shame is not it's the, I don't have a I don't have a ton of games on there, but this, so there are two games right now that I I have not been able to get played in my home group. I just think they're too big. And uh, we normally play on school nights, so they're definitely not not school night games. You know, it's funny. I call them school night games or yeah. school nights. Just they're literally even school we're not nights in, for but us. Literally, they are yeah, for you. That's they funny. are. Yeah. So uh, and so I'm actually now so post in our 
post PTZ reality. I'm hoping maybe we can get one of these played over here. Um, one of them is a coin game called Falling Sky, which is about the uh, the Gallic revolt against the Romans um, during during the during Caesar's sort of uh, time as 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 the legate out in in Gaul. So um, so that one. It, so we, I've played some coin games. I've played Cuba Libre a couple of times with part of our our heavy cardboard group here. Love it. I think this. I like this theme even better. Um, so excited about that one. Yeah. I, I'm excited. It, I have this stigma that Edward doesn't like coin games. <laughs> They're not my favorite, but I also haven't played them in a couple of years. So I would love to be able to get to the level to where we could be able to stream one yeah. or two of these and, and review them on the podcast as well. So that'd be great. Which one? I'll be honest. I don't care. Could almost be any of them. Yeah, yeah. Legitimately. Um, like the one I've always been leaning towards is Colonial uh, Twilight just because it's two player, smaller footprint, the whole nine yards, a little bit easier to be able to manage for a stream specifically. Yeah, that makes but sense. like you said, now that we have the PTZ camera, uh, once the software that I use uh, gets <laughs> sorted out and that can handle said PTZ camera a little bit better than it's doing right now. Um, then yeah, that's definitely something that I'm all over. Yes. And twice on Sunday. Nice. The other one is uh, I have, I got, I bought the five quote unquote 500th anniversary edition of here. here I, I stand. stand. I knew yeah. once you said 500, I'm like, Oh, here it comes. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, I mean, what, what a cool idea to sort of like take the wars of the Protestant reformation, turn it into a game. Like just a crazy idea for a game, uh, awesome time period. Uh, Another that I would love to stream. Yeah. However, I think that's going to have to wait until I get a bigger studio. Honestly, <laughs> um, no, no, you laugh. Just because the game is so big, it's so big. But it's also, so big. we can only use three sides of the table in here right. because of just the size of the room that it's in, and so therefore, it's a it's a six player six player game. game. Yep. Could you play it with less? Yes, but it's a six player game. And every time I've played that, I've played with experienced players, and it's been a six to eight hour game. Yep. So eventually, I will say it'd be a lot. Here I stand, as well as Virgin Queen. Yeah, I, I am. Will I mean, hell, if I'm willing to do the introductory scenario of World in Flames, I can do Here I Stand. But it's just a matter of space on that one, physical space of people right. in the room. Eventually, yes, but I can't say that I've loved my plays of either Virgin Queen or Here I Stand. It's it's a cool idea. I just don't know how much I really enjoy the games, though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's It's got some of the same DNA as Twilight Struggle, but mapped out onto six players, which makes it just sort of a lot, I guess, in some ways more random because you can only control yourself. But instead of paying attention to one opponent, you're paying attention to five. Yeah, but everybody lot. kind of has their own... Like thing, thing that they thing do. They're trying to do, right? Yeah, yeah. to where like uh, I think it's the French. Like uh, they, <coughs> we jokingly say, "Oh, their their goal is to build chalets," right? <laughs> um, and and so and then the a couple of the other players have the religious war, and they just solely focus on that. Right. So everyone kind of has their own little shtick that yep. they're doing within the game. So you don't necessarily have to worry about everybody because there are some players that really you can't really interfere with a whole lot right and so it's it's 
a big scale game, but you as the player are only focused on what you're doing and like the immediate stuff around you type stuff, certain things, parts of that. So, yeah, although there's that there's the diplomacy and card trading elements, which do kind of like. Which also makes it really difficult to be able to stream that unless you have a secondary room where people can go and talk. Yep. And so, yeah, you're convincing me that 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 may may, may need some extra extra uh, bells and whistles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as the show goes, but it doesn't mean that we couldn't, you know, take some time and and play it. I actually have a, uh, I have a notebook with it, like the rules laid out for certain players and yeah. And all that. So, yeah. So those, those are the two that I, I would love to play one day. Well, falling sky can happen a lot quicker than here. I stand that, that, that can happen. Nice. we will have already talked about the oh what have we been playing part of the show but seeing as we wanted to do kind of a first look first impression type podcast because it's been a while since we've done a show i thought you know what let's turn this segment into the main main meat of the show if you will and talk about you know a, a big handful or two of the games that we've been playing whether it's a first impression type thing or oh been playing this a number of times yep really like it really don't like it whatever and just kind of give a, a a very brief overview whatever uh of the games that we've been playing so i took my list because i'm a nerd uh alphanumerically organized mine Plus, some of these we've streamed, some we're going to stream, some we're not going to stream uh, for one reason or another. And I'll I'll touch on that when we get into it. So instead of just being like, oh, the games we've streamed here, uh, I just went ahead and did it alphanumerically. Um, So you want to go ahead and do yours? Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm shotgunning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 just look. I'm reading off my uh, my my uh, play my play app that I that I keep up so yeah so look at bg over, stats bg stats that's because right. that's what everybody uses yeah right so yeah so looking over the past couple of months i mean home game we've been playing a lot of a lot of brass lancashire fabulous just so good um i i played it enough now to say like i think it's 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 at least a nine for me okay all right how many times ballpark how many times five okay. five times so. and i've pl- I played it probably more than that at this point yeah. um but it's been a it's been a day since yep. I played it, uh, I played Brass Birmingham, uh, probably not as many as Brass Lancashire. And for me, I enjoy the game equally. Um, it's it's definitely a different game. It's kind of like Age of Steam, right? We, right. We've had that discussion before uh, to where like it feels like brass, but it's its own animal type yep. thing. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that uh, Brass Lancashire is uh, is going over well. Would you say the group in general is enjoying it? Yes. Um, and I think, you know, we've had that sort of thing where like we're playing it when we have four. Uh, and so every time we play, it's like one new guy. And I think it's pretty hard to be the new guy after the other people have played once or twice. Yeah, I bet you that's that's less fun. But as yeah. long as they treat it as a teaching, like it's look, well, right. pull, pull, I mean, pull knobs and whistles and our, 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 pull group, our group is not a super merciful group. So we're, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of wait, like, wait, wait, the group you had is not merciful. <laughs> I, I'm I shocked. Mean, we explained that it's important to develop 
because that's maybe not obvious. But you know, we're like, why don't you build a port for me? Basically, that's that's how that's. Oh going, come right? on! No, I mean, don't be those guys. <laughs> like you should be helping. You can win with the port strategy. You're terrible. <laughs> that's that ain't right. Maybe not the first time you play. All right. So yeah. So um. So here we. So we played Terramara. Prepping, prepping yeah. for the uh, prepping for the the playthrough. So I've played that twice, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Terramara from yeah. uh, Quinta Games. Yep. Uh, I'll be honest. The first time we played it, I think all of us were like totally underwhelmed the first time. Oh, completely underwhelmed. We were like, ooh. Um, yep. Well, we'll stream it, but uh, yeah. And it just sort of seemed like a lot of a lot of squeeze for not very much juice. Like the putting the board together and like so fiddly. But actually, the second time we played it. The game, the game definitely grew in, in a good way. Yeah, had yeah. a better impression on it. So Terramar, not to get too deep into it, uh, worker placement, but there are limits on where you can place, how many workers can be in a location. Chieftains, uh, if a chieftain's out, nobody can put another worker there, so it blocks office space. Um, and then you can't go to a place with another worker on it, or I think they're called tribes or clan members or right. whatever. You can't go there unless your military is equal to or higher right. than theirs. And so it becomes a balanced game of, do I push up my military so that I have the luxury to be able to go anywhere and do whatever I want? But it's also a race game. There are tracks that you're trying yep. to get further up uh, around. And there are cards that you're ultimately, it's a resource conversion to where you're trying to Purchase cards, right. uh, advancements, make, which make are stuff, yeah, yeah. And, which are victory points. So, a lot of this, all of you out there have played yep. and have heard about, but it does kind of do a little bit different. That as the rounds progress, these boards, the individual uh, round boards, so the action spaces, those flip over, right. and there are different things on the back side yep. for them. And some of uh, uh, your workers can go on to later round actions to where, oh, it's round one. I can go and do this round four action if I want, but I won't get my worker back until the end of the fourth round and the game's right. only five rounds. So it has a little, well, do I want this that bad type thing? Oh, I have this extra worker. I don't mind losing it type thing. So yeah, I think the game kind of blossomed a little after yeah. that first play. That first play, everybody was like, ooh, yeah but no after the after that pretty good and i i think the thing that it does is sort of like some of the best spots cease to exist after you after you take them and that's is kind of interesting like it it's it's there's a sort of a supply only a certain supply of the really good worker placement spots and once they're used they're used that's kind of cool. That that's that's that was a pretty fun twist. And unlike most worker placement games, where you know as it grows, maybe more actions are available. Right. Actually, actions get taken away in this because those yep. boards are flipping, and those awesome actions that you may have had, or in some cases, some of the less great actions go away. So there's there's definitely some original yeah. aspects to this game that yep. I think made it worthy of playing more. And I'm glad that we did because yep. if we had just stopped at that first pass, um, agree. I think we, I think we would have missed out. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So yeah, there, good one to start with. Good call on that. Yeah. Uh, so the first one I have is 18 EU with the, uh, with the variants, uh, on this. And we did a recorded playthrough. Yep. Me, Eric Brocious, Joe R 
and I think it was Len that was in that one. I've heard a lot of bad things about 18EU. And so interesting. I think I had only played it maybe once or twice, maybe three times at most before that. And it's been, it's been a long time. I played it with Tony and all those guys back in Denver and I was really, I enjoyed it, but then I don't know, maybe I fell prey to uh, some very vocal people out there that say the 18 EU, basically you could do the auction and then just call the game a lot of times and all this. So we played 18 EU though with the, uh, the variant and I I feel a little bit remiss talking about the uh the variant which are the minor powers variants and the way we did it is as a draft as opposed to right. an actual auction and I thought the game was fantastic I really thoroughly enjoyed it so it's so interesting I so I watched this playthrough um I have not been bitten by the 18xx bug like I I see the appeal and yet I'm not sure like a lot of times they're for me, like they seem like more kind of more work than play in some ways. This is the first time I've watched an 18 X playthrough and thought like, I think I'd really like that one. Okay. It looked, it looked, you guys looked like you were having a blast and I could see how I would have fun. playing. Okay. So well. what, so what do you think was different with this as opposed to the others then? So I think drafting those powers and being able to think about synergies looked pretty exciting. It also looked like, this is going to sound weird because I typically like this in games. It looked like maybe the edges were not quite as sharp as in some of the other games. Like I, I the games I watch where there's like a big train rush and you get, get totally hosed. Um, those those don't look as fun to me, partly because I know the first time through I would be the one who gets hosed. Right. Um, and this looked like there was enough more anticipation you could do that. Like that maybe wasn't so much of an issue. And even when you're running poorly yeah uh you're still making what feels like good money right um even though you're getting you know eviscerated yeah but you still feel like you're doing something yeah 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 um yeah i could see that and i know there are people out there that are probably going to lambaste me or or whatever on all this but i gotta be honest i really enjoyed my play of 18 eu now don't get me wrong playing with you know eric brocious joe r you know and these guys joe huber and all this and is a huge luxury that that I am afforded because these guys are legitimate experts right at this. Now, there are not saying they are the only experts out there. Sure. But they are there's a certain style of 18xx games that these guys really really enjoy and even within that there are games that aren't like not everybody enjoys this or that or whatever. That being said, EU though, yeah, I the guys even though they are you know experts at these games they're enjoyable to play with they know their stuff so that helps so i'm not caught you know we don't have I, i'm not forced to look over rule books and dig into oh what about this and that and whatever and even even sometimes they have to look things up on occasion but it just hums along it moves along really well so it's a luxury that a lot of people don't have granted that said the minor powers variant with eu i really enjoyed it and you know what I recommend people checking it out. Uh, check out the, I call it the live stream, but it was really a pre-recorded playthrough. So watch the playthrough if you're interested in that. But 18 EU, um, for the way we played it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. Yep. Looked really cool. Looked really cool. Uh, so one that I've played now enough that I feel like I can sort of like 
make more than just a first look judgment on is Pax Transhumanity. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah so you, th- you and me both. Yeah, I think I've done maybe five plays now, um, partly in preparation. And then we, you know, sometimes we play a game enough in preparation for a stream that when when we're done, I'm sort of like, all right, we can t- take I'm kind of over that. that. Yeah, yeah, we can move on. The, yeah. the very next Saturday after the stream, somebody was like, oh, you guys play Pax Transhumanity. You want to play that? And all I think Andrew and Andrew Clock and I were both like, yeah, let's do that right now. Um, that game is a whole lot of fun. That actually, that's a really good way to put that um, yeah. because I still feel that way. And usually by the time I've streamed something or have gotten it done for a review, which uh, newsflash, um, that's coming next episode. Uh, Andrew nice. and I are reviewing that one. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away on this one other than to say this is top five game for me from last year easily. Yeah. Now, does that mean golden elephant? Oh, Edward likes it. I am just one person of the group now. Keep that in mind. But yeah, I'm a really big fan of this game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The uh, the most recent packs or game in the pack series, and I am really smitten with it. A bit of a learning curve, especially for me. It took me a few games to really get my head around, not the rules, but the what am I trying to really do? Whereas I've noticed a lot of other people are picking it up during the first game. It took me three games. Yeah. How to play, not so bad, although not easy. How to win, harder. Much. I'm harder. still learning that, but I'm loving the experience of yeah. learning that. But I, the thing that that um, really blows my mind about that game is it doesn't seem like for a game that's basically a card market and like a couple of wooden dots that it could have that much theme. And it really has an amazing integration of theme. It is, it's, it blows my mind. It's funny that you say this because when I was preparing for the other, the next podcast, actually getting ready for PAX Transhumanity, the amount of people that are like, yeah, the theme just totally is a miss for me and I really don't get it. And why, like what these things are, because there are some really, I mean, it's set in the near future, right? And some of the stuff like, it all has flavor text and a little bit of like uh, what it is on the cards requires you to read up on a lot of this because a lot of this stuff, like reading the title, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Yep. Those are words I've never heard before. But yeah, I, I think the theme works really well yeah. with this. So Pax about- Transhumanity, uh, definitely uh, high a, on both of our that's, lists. That's, a, that's that. a great one. Yep. I I don't know. I don't I don't have to think about the whole top five thing like you do that's that's your job um but i think i probably agree I, it's definitely one of the best five games i played at the, published in the last year okay so, all yeah. right so moving on uh, 18 new england so we played this uh, uh, a prototype of it it's a late prototype um and uh scott over at uh all aboard games was kind enough to send us a a map of it with the new cool. artwork and all that um has some really, really cool ideas. But I think this one has fallen pretty flat with the uh with the game group up here. And huh. again, talking about those the aforementioned right. folks. Joe and Eric. Yeah, and Joe, guys, yeah. exactly, right? Joe and Joe and Eric and all that. Uh <coughs> played it a couple times and the um it has I want to say, I, I forget the exact number of minor companies that operate, but I want to say it's upwards of about a dozen in a four player game. So it makes it sound like it is a massively involved, really long. It's not the way the minor companies operate in this game in a very set order 
and it's very limited in what they can do, the game actually moves along at a shockingly quick pace. Hmm. And for that, having that many minor companies in a game, I was really, really impressed with that aspect of it, the way it handles that. Nice. It's the end game and the way that issuing share, like the value, a company can issue shares to basically build up the uh, company treasury. And then they can, there's a difference between IPO shares and shares that have already been bought and that are there. They are, they're valued at, or uh, they're valued at two different things. So when, so when you're looking to purchase shares, one might be vastly different in price than the other. A hundred percent. And so you can issue share. Basically you can make money out of nothing by issuing shares to the stock pool and then buying them back the next turn. And all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch of liquidity within your company. Huh. So it's a little bit weird in that. And I'm not quite, I still haven't wrapped my head around that again. This is yeah. after only essentially a play and a half kind right. of call it. Um, and then the end game of it, the companies have way too much money in the company treasury that you can't do anything with. And the companies are making money hand over fist. If a company has like multiple E-train, like a seven and an eight E-train, it's just making huge amounts of money, but you're train locked at two trains. So the money's just kind of just hanging out. So it just felt a little bit weird. And, And that seems to be the general consensus Early on from after a play or two, but that's another uh, that's going to be coming up uh, on stream that I think is going to be interesting. And I might reach out to Scott before we stream it just to be able to get his because uh, Scott Peterson, the the guy who runs all aboard games, is the one who designed it. So I'm curious to get his uh, his take on if this is what he's seen and yep. is this what his design was the plan and why and all of that to be able to talk about that with the guys during the stream or at the end of. So I think that'll cool. be interesting. Nice. Nice. So another game that I've been playing a lot and I sort of, sort of randomly ended up playing it at game day. Um, but it's a game that I play a ton with my, my nine year old daughter. So might not sound that interesting, but so the game is Santorini. Uh, it's a, basically an abstract. You probably know it. I am familiar with it, but I've yeah. never actually ever played it. Uh, that one's from Roxley too, I think. Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah. So um, cute abstract, just re- really all about um, uh, building towers. And uh, the awesome thing about it from a like daddy-daughter kind of a situation is that it, you get these asymmetric powers, the god powers um, that you can play with that are rule breakers. And it's an easy way to handicap the game because if I take one of those and she takes two, we're, I mean, we're roughly even, like she wins about half the time, which is great. Because um, it's a way that like I can try as hard as I can and she can still be competitive. That's nice. So it's a, it's a, you can set the handicap kind of, You can of, set right? the handicap okay. and it's awesome. And at the same time, so I think Greg Giovanetti brought the game randomly to one of the game days and we were, I think we were early and not everybody was here yet. And he was like, you want to play this? And I was like, sure. I love that game. And it's equally competitive and interesting with like two grown up, fairly serious gamers. Um, there's, there's enough depth there that you can, you can play. I'll be honest. the The next bad thing I hear about Santorini would probably be the first. Yeah, uh, and it's a shame I haven't played it. So I'm glad that Greg has it, so that yeah. I'll be able to get it. I because I don't own it. I would like yeah. to. 
it's a, it's a pretty abstract, but it's an abstract. It's right? it's totally an abstract. Um, but there's enough flavor there because it's, it's so it's supposed to be like building towers on a Greek island, and your your play is the Greek gods, and so the, the the gods are giving you the powers, and so there's enough flavor there. That it doesn't feel totally abstract, but it's it's essentially an abstract, and it's it's fun, and it's actually pretty mean. So, for those that aren't familiar with Ken. <laughs> He's really good at intrigue. He, uh, yeah, he dropped nukes on me. Impacts transhumanity. It, so there's in, a theme here. In fairness, I've never actually won. I don't know if I'm really good at intrigue. I've never actually won intrigue before. I just like it. <laughs> <laughs> and intrigue is a game that if I never play it again, I'm all set. And um, it, it's it's a game that whenever I play it, as soon as we're done, I'm like, let's play again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all set. Thanks. <laughs> I'm good. It not yeah. not a game that I I really enjoy. I got to be a hundred percent honest with you. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so but yeah, but so Santorini is it's it's great, and I love I love how it it's it scales and and lets me play with my daughter. That's that's a really good oh, no. I think that's awesome. I think the, the fact that it has that inherent handicap that yeah. you can kind of uh, self determine. Right. Um. Yeah. Big big fan of that. Very cool. I mean. Yeah, so I so um, she's competitive. So she's beaten you then. She's a good. She's a she's a pretty good gamer for her age. Um, but yeah, I mean, when when we play with that handicap in place, she wins about half the time, as it should be. And so uh, I've started telling her that she's gotten too good, and we're gonna have to start playing even. She doesn't want to. She didn't want to hear that. <laughs> Not quite there she didn't yet. Want to hear that yet. But uh... <laughs> all right. Yeah. So keeping it on the abstract tip, yep. uh, there are five games kind of that I wanted to briefly talk about and mention here. Uh, all of these are from a, I believe they're an Italian uh, publisher called uh, XV Games. The letter X V yeah, yeah. Games. These are the, you. You guys stream these all all yeah. a bunch, right? Yeah, we stream yeah. four. Uh, Jess and I stream four of these together. They are all uh, these four. The first four are all two player only games. Yep. The last one is a five player only trick taking game. Uh, so I'll talk about these here real quick. Uh, the first one is Charte. It's a Reiner Knizia game. Stupid, simple, uh, mechanical game. Uh, very simple little abstract. The appeal to me is uh, you're basically laying out a map. Yeah, it's not a real world map, I don't think, but it's still it's got land, it's got water. Doing that, simple. Yep. Very small footprint and very very enjoyable game for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you're talking a 10 minute gameplay on that one, I think. Yep. Uh, the next one is Libraria, which is uh, another, uh, all of these are abstract, so I don't want to keep having to say that, but this one is uh, to where you're basically putting uh, cubes on a grid. I I, I want to say it's upwards of like a, uh, like a five by seven, five by six grid, and you're putting um, little, um, uh, jewels on the corners of bookcases yep so whoever has the majority of a bookcase then however many books are in there they score that many points if there are mice eating the books you get negative points if you're tied two and two nobody scores it and if you completely surround it with yours it scores plus one nice and it's again it's a very simple mechanical game yeah but had some had some cool stuff a little bit more fiddly and i don't know that the pay that the enjoyment that i got uh in charte um was matched with libraria with the amount of setup and everything which isn't a ton more right but it's enough to where if you only picked one out of those i would choose charte it looked like with libraria like interesting uh, sort of almost puzzle 
but it seemed like like the fifth time you play, you might be like, yeah, I, I kind of got this. Yeah, I, I I haven't played it that much, but I could see it going that way. Yeah, I agree. The third one to talk about is one called Greener. Now, Greener is from a, another uh, or designer slash publisher that if you like abstract games, I guarantee you know the name. But Nestor Games mm. originally published this one, and it uses the little plastic pyramids that you might find in um, like Pyramid Arcade or whatever. And yep. there are other like games. The Ice that, House is like the original. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And very simple um, uh, mechanical abstract to where you are. Uh, you have a color white or black the other player is the other color and then you have a bunch of green pyramids which are neutral and those are also worth the victory points so you can move in a straight line horizontal or vertical and you must move until you are able to capture if you will or put your pyramid on top of the, the next stack of pyramids that you encounter if you get any green ones those will be worth points at the end of the game and ultimately you must you cannot pass you must move one of yours so if you're if you're topping any of your opponent's pieces they have less options but they're not right. worth any points unless they have already captured some and it just becomes a very clever little game that you have to move which is what makes that game as good as it is yeah and it comes in this little pouch and the map itself is printed on the pouch you can iron it and get it to lay flat or you can just print out a little like a sheet a little grid yep. right yep. which is what we did for the stream because it doesn't sit really really well mm -hmm. clever little game though really recommend uh greener i thought that was really good it looked like it had a ton of depth that one that i one imagine like it does over and over yeah. yeah um i don't think in it's a random setup you can either do a balance setup to where okay hey you you know have it very or you can kind of do it as a draft yeah um and i don't have enough experience with it to know how to want to set that up to yep. where it's advantageous for you but if you enjoy ab two-player abstracts and you're talking a 15 20 minute little filler yeah greener definitely nice. a good one and the last one of these is called Wizard's Garden. And this one might have been my favorite looking back on it. Now, uh, again, very, very simple, kind of an Othello type mechanism to where you're going to be flipping, flipping you know, to different color, but you're not one of the two colors. It's all about just being able to claim pieces when it, you basically score a bingo um, to where everything is all the same color after things have flipped either horizontal, diagonal or uh, vertical and very simple. Again, it comes in a little pouch. The board is printed on the bag. This one works just fine because they're little flat discs and clever and really, really good. So mm -hmm. out of those four, I would say uh, legitimately Wizard's Garden, Greener, and Charte. Wizard's Garden and, and Greener, they are they have a bit more meat to them than yeah. Charte does, but Charte comes in a box that is, you know, a super tiny little box. Yeah, for the also. footprint. Pretty nice. So those three of the four I would definitely I think I feel pretty good recommending. Yeah. Uh the fifth game of these is a game called Vivaldi. Oh man. We played this at game day. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to. Uh, I love trick-taking games. I mean, I love <laughs> trick-taking games. The problem with Vivaldi, and now it's based on a like a uh, it, it's 
based on an ancient, I, if, if it's multiple hundreds of years old, I think we can call yeah. it ancient it's, at this point. It's like Br- Bris- Briscola, Chiamata, that show off. Yes. Old, old Italian. Yes. Right. Game. Yep. Five players only. The problem with it is you don't have to follow suit. Not that it's weird and just doesn't feel right to me because if you are familiar with trick-taking games, you almost always have to follow suit in it. That's one of like the benchmark hallmark, like cornerstone rules of a trick-taking game. So this kind of throws that on its head and it just doesn't, it just never felt right to me. It, it is so counterintuitive and it's very, it's very hard to tell how to play because you, your opponents can literally play Anything. anything right and so and so because it, it's it's you know it's a it's a game where like certain points are positive certain points are negative um and it's really hard to tell how to lead lead which it i mean in a typical trick-taking game build, building that skill is what separates good players from bad players right and in this game like i couldn't figure it out i right and i i think i've only played it two or three times at this point but I just I just don't feel compelled to want to dig into this one anymore because it just doesn't it just didn't it it it, it just didn't feel right because and I couldn't figure out yeah how to make heads or tails of it the strategy of it so I would try again the thing that I the thing that's cool about it is there's like a hidden partner mechanic Right, because whoever bids or everyone, it's kind of a bidding mechanism to where you're bidding on what the Trump is going to be, uh, yep. the the number of Trump, and then whoever wins the bid is going to uh, have the number, but they pick the suit of that Trump, and whoever has the number of that Trump is their secret partner. Yep. They may have it themselves, so they're playing one versus four, or it would be somebody else, and they don't know who it is. So that mechanism, kind of clever. Yeah, but and <sighs> I can't disagree. It feel like it the, the 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 not leading, not following suit thing is it's just bizarre. Yeah, and it just like I said, it just never felt right. So yeah. I hear that. But if you're into trick taking games, I would say maybe take a look at it, read the rules, and see if that sounds interesting to you before maybe picking this one up. It was definitely an experience. That that is that is a good word for it. So that's Vivaldi <laughs> and all five of those from XV Games. Nice. So uh, we in in my sort of there's a sub group of my main home game group, um, and we hit a milestone. We uh, we completed our Gloomhaven campaign. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. Yeah. So there's still some side quests, but we completed the main, we completed the main line. Awesome. So how long did it take? How many games of it was I there? I think we and- probably played about, about 60 wow. scenarios. So, uh, and I know, so I know you're not a big one for cooperative games. I'm not. And I'll be honest. So I know Isaac and I think Gloomhaven is an achievement yeah. of board game design. I respect the game. The problem I have with the game is the, even though very clever, very, very well done. Yep. If I'm going to play a game like that, I just would rather play something like Skyrim or Fallout 4 or that. that, That's just more, I, I, that type of game I want more as a video game than I want as a board game experience. Yeah. I, 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 I do hear that, um, but I will say having played it now a lot. Yeah, man, fair. Um, the, the, the biggest piece for me comes from getting into a character 
Like not not like role playing, right? But like I, for those of you guys who don't know how Gloomhaven is designed, each each character class has its own set of cards, and you have to re, uh, to play well. You have to figure out how to play those cards in the right order given the scenario, and um, learning how to make a character like really work and sing is like that's really fun, and it creates these opportunities for these moments where because you have the right set of cards in your hand decided to bring them to the scenario, you you are able to do this huge combo that like nobody else expects. And they're they're big dramatic moments. So and it's it's built inside this game where like you're not rolling dice to see if you hit or kill, not kill right. the orc, yeah, yeah. right? You're you're it's 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 a really clever, very skill based. So I yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I do think there are some things that Gloomhaven does that Skyrim cannot do too. How's like? Give me an example, though. Like what? Like what? Like so? Sure, you you have to like develop skill to like level up or level up and, and sure, you know, right? And and you know, with Skyrim, you got to like learn how to like do the fast switch stuff to make sure you can like kill the dragon in the battle or whatever. Right? I, I suppose, so, but I'm I'm it's 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 less of a fast twitch game to me than like in FPS or whatever, but yes. But okay. yeah, but so like, because you're playing with three other people in Gloomhaven, there, there are some moments where like somebody on your team can surprise you with something that they do. And that doesn't, you can't do that. Okay. Single fair point. RPG, yes. Right? That, that, that is true. That so, is true. um, and it, it's a, it's a really cool design. Um, so yeah, so I, I like it. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure whether I'm ready to sign on for the, the new big box game with, a hundred more scenarios that's coming our way, but it was a, it was a really fun experience to do this one. So that's awesome. You are, um, I, I'm sure there are a horde of people out there that have completed a yeah. Gloomhaven campaign, but you're the first person I've actually heard about that yeah. does it, that did it. Uh, I've heard people have gotten close and they're like, not quite there, but no, right. that's cool. And it's, was it, it, I assume it was with the same group of folks. So we probably had um, six or seven people go in and out throughout the course of the campaign, but three of us were um, constant. Were, were pretty constant, and then there was a the, the fourth player would rotate a little bit. So. But it stayed the same character, right? No, or no? We actually, they would play potentially different characters, and that's actually kind of fun. Oh, I, I, that keeps it fresh for you the guys. The variety however. of character classes is. Again, like that's my favorite thing about it. I'm playing a character class that I can't talk about because it's a spoiler, and I think people in the Gloomhaven community would be wouldn't be psyched. Okay, about it, no, like, that's fine. Okay, but like the character that I sort of have not quite yet retired, uh, the mecha- the mechanisms are just super fun. Like, and every time you get a new character, you get to figure that stuff out. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, we'll talk. All right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so uh, Age of Steam, Cypress map. We just played this the other day, and by the other day, I mean last night. Three-player only map from Album Viard uh, came yep. out in 2012. Uh, I'll be honest, um, my original plan was to stream the Scandinavia map um, because Scandinavia is one of the uh, higher, well-thought-of three-player maps out there. Couldn't find it. It seems to have grown legs, which really makes me sad. That's but, a bummer. Uh, Korea slash Scandinavia. So, hey, if you have the heavy cardboard map of that, um, please give it back. Anyway, uh, played Cyprus. I got to say, I enjoyed that map far more than I thought I was going to. Uh, it, I, I did not know the history of Cyprus. I did not know I'm ignorant on the or was a lot more so than I am now mm-hmm. that apparently in 1964, the uh, UN 
put uh, a basically a peacekeeping force on the island to keep the peace because in 1974, now I'm not quite sure why in 64, I, I, I didn't read that that thoroughly yet, but I know there was a, a coup attempt, yep. a, a Turkish invasion, I believe it was in 1974. And now there is a demarcation line in the middle of Cyprus to where the northern part of Cyprus uh, are the Turkish Cypriots. Right. And the southern half of the island are the Greek Cypriots or the yep. Cypriots. That is the country of cyprus that's right and there is a uh kind of a demilitarized zone in the middle and there are a couple of british bases on that on that southern part of the island as well i didn't know any of that three player only map one player plays as the un and they can't urbanize at all and if you're familiar with age of steam that's kind of a big deal a a heavy handy handicap yeah right However, the other players, one plays as the Greeks, one plays as the Turkish Cypriots, and you can pick up cubes from anywhere on the island, but they can only be delivered to cities on your half of the island, north or south, whichever it is. Whereas the UN player doesn't have that handicap. So it's super asymmetrical. Yeah, which I've, ne- I've yeah. never seen a asymmetrical Age of Steam game uh, map before. I know there are others out there that yeah. do that, but this is the first one that I'd encountered. And even if... Not all the players did well in the game. I don't want to spoil any kind of thing for the stream. Um, Everybody seemed to really enjoy it. And that thing's going to have some legs as far as replayability because all three players are going to play completely asymmetrically. Like it's going to be completely different and the cube distribution is going to dictate that. So yeah, really big really big fan of that map that's cool yeah i've only gotten as far on the on the stream as watching the basically the rules teach which um, i think took about 30 seconds but it looked like the cube distribution for you guys was brutal yeah which just makes it more entertaining that makes it more I fun think, to right? watch yeah so sure. totally yep 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 uh let's see so i got a first playthrough of a splatter that i had never played before at game day i played bus for the first time and uh, that game is right, right, right up my street. That game was a blast. I got my butt kicked. Um, it was, it was awesome, awesome. Um, a really different take on route building. Yeah. Uh, and classic splatter sense of humor around like warping the space time continuum. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would play that game any, any time. It's a uh, it's a game that I know Clay at Capstone is very excited about, and it seems the majority of people that play that game find it to be arguably the most approachable splatter. And that's the thing. I don't know of any splatter games that are excessively rules heavy. None of them. Right. Even Antiquity, which is about as far as it gets still gettable yeah totally no, nowhere near pax transhumanity in terms no oh of, god in terms no no those density, are, those right? are completely different as far as complexity yep. but the depth still remains very very strong there right and uh yeah i'm, I'm really really glad to see that bus is out there and now i guess it's the big six from mm, splatter yeah you have let's see if i can do this in no particular order bus food chain magnet indonesia roads and boats great zimbabwe and antiquity Nicely done. So, yeah, good. And that was all from memory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I'll, a, any of them? Yes. The answer is just yes. Yeah. My favorite remains Food Chain Magnate, but they, I, they, I've not played one yet that I haven't thought was exceptional. Cool. So. Babylonia. Uh, Reiner Kanitsi, a game from Last Essen that we, we streamed not too long ago, uh, plays two, three, or four. We played it three or four. I think we played it. We streamed it at four. And... 
just feels like a classic 90s Kinesia game, which is a huge compliment. Yep. If you were a fan of the Tigris and Euphrates, I heard uh, Shogun references while we were streaming it, which I've never played that, so I can't speak to that. But just a very simple tile-laying game, or disc-laying game, as it were, Right. that uh, a lot more than meets the eye, and just very low rules complexity, but good depth of gameplay, and it plays... Uh, very quick turns and just moves along. And it's exactly what I want from a Kinesia game, Babylonia. Yeah. I mean, obviously his, his uh, repertoire is so wide that like he puts a lot of different kinds of games out. And so like a game like modern art, I mean, I might say that's exactly what I want, but I only, only right this minute, right? Because this is a totally different kind of game, but uh, yeah, somewhere between through the desert and Tigris and Euphrates, which sounds weird because they're very different games. Right, they're set in that area, but that's it, right? They're right. apples and giraffes as but, far as games. But but it does kind of combine those mechanisms a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, really cool blocking elements, some interesting opportunities to have like asymmetric powers. Um, or not. No real, no real theme to be seen anywhere. <laughs> right, there is a setting, but not a theme. <laughs> it's a Kinesia, so what do you expect? But yeah, I mean, I had I had a blast with both playthroughs. Yeah, so. I re- really, really enjoyed Babylonia. I enjoyed that more than I expected to. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, I think that the best thing you can say about these games is like the length of play to depth of decisions and fun, amazing ratio. Yep, I, I think they nailed it on that. There is some definite graphic design issues with it oh, that, yeah. that Ludanova, though, said has been addressed. Uh, Interesting. They, uh, they said the, the, uh, the production uh fixes so i don't know if that's graphic design but i'm hoping so because they they're enough to where they were aggravating but they weren't game breaking by any stretch yeah i would play the copy that we had over and over again and and i can live with the with the with the flaws but it does sort of seem like one of those deals where like they're easy flaws to fix yeah they they should be fixed for for a new edition new printing whatever yeah agreed 100% 100% agree. Yeah, so coming up for us in a game that we've played one time, and I'm pretty excited to get get on the table again, Crusader Kings. Uh, so we talked about this early, set, set on a, yeah. based on a, a Paradox Games IP. But yeah, but I mean, it's one of those games where um, a lot of it is sort of about mitigating terrible things that happen to you, but it's also, it, it puts you in the role of a medieval monarch in everything that that means, including, uh, I think, one of the most fun moments in the game we had. <laughs> well, there was that. There, there, right, there, yeah, no, you, go ahead, go ahead, can, go ahead. You can marry a horse, it's true. Um, but actually, so there was a moment where one of our players had played like an espionage action and was sort of looking for what to do with it. He hadn't figured it out. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll pay you a dollar to kill my daughter. <laughs> And I think at first he thought I was kidding, but I was like, no, really, I, no. Be, it would be great if, if, if she, if she were to just sort of disappear, uh, it, it, it's the, it's the kind of game that, that puts you in that situation. Right. Because she had some negative traits. She was a coward. I mean, what do you do with cowards? What are you right? going to do? And so. you're only allowed to have, you only have certain slots for yep. a number of offspring. And there is a hierarchy for who is going to become your, uh, your, uh, successor. And you want positive traits to go into your draw right. bag and negative traits are well negative. And there was no positive of that. So if you could, so you stop paying up. 
We just made the problem go away. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's, so it, it, it's the kind of game that like, I think all of us, when we sort of sat up and like, we're learning the rules, we were like, woof, are we going to like this? But halfway through, I think we were really having fun. There, it's every game is going to create some stories, right? Is, and this is, is really this fun. is very much. It's not that it's an experience game. Like there, there are there are legitimate, <laughs> there are legitimate uh, decisions to be made, and it's a strategy game through and through. There is a fair bit of randomness and luck in in your draws and this and that and the other things, but the reason you're going to want to play this game is for the stories that come out of this game yeah. and, and your specific play of the game. And I think having not played crusader Kings, the video game or yep. crusader Kings two, as it were, I can't, you know, compare how well this li- keeps the soul intact of crusader Kings. But I will say that for a game that focuses on the lineage Yep. Of all of that and the ebb and flow of your kingdom around medieval Europe. Feel like it nailed it pretty well in yeah. a in a far more easier to play than you might imagine game, even though That's it's a right. big footprint game and it's got a lot of stuff. It's actually not that hard to play. And I think it it does it sets out to do it succeeds in what it sets out to do. Right. Well, I th- and so uh, allow me this analogy. So like so the Game of Thrones TV show. It's based on a series of books that probably contain like five or six thousand pages of text. Yeah, thereabouts, and I've read most of them. So yeah. yeah, and you and you boil it down to maybe fifty hours of TV or something, right? right. Um, so you can't include everything. And I think, and I so I, Crusader Kings, the board game, is just like that. Like you can't include nearly all of the mechanisms from the video game, so you have to make choices. And I I like the choices they made. I think they. They, they focused on the right stuff. Okay, so, well, that's good. Yeah. There you go. And yeah, we're going to be streaming this here in next week, week and a half or so. Yeah. Looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun, and it should be entertaining. If oh, it'll else. be fun, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a couple of uh, Block War games to the table uh, and have streamed these uh, successfully now. Uh, Seki Gahara, yeah. as well as Hammer of the Scots. And these are my two favorite Block War games. So I think very well of them. If you're unfamiliar with what a block war game is, it uh, it's literally wooden blocks to where the stickers or the 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 troop uh, capability size and all of that is known to you, but is hidden to your opponent. They obviously can physically see the blocks, but they don't know what or what composition those blocks uh contain and both of those have relatively low overhead rules uh as far as war games go and they the hammer of the scots comes from a series of games from columbia games that it's eight pages of rules that's it the end which is far less than a lot of euros that we play right and so it's it's very approachable it's very simple in the way it handles its its battle and just how it handles honestly everything about it, and but thoroughly enjoyable. Um, Seki Gahara is by many people thought to be the best two player block war game in existence, and even though I'm not not necessarily good at it, I see right what that game offers and every war game has some amount of randomness or luck in it to where the combat isn't deterministic or else why are you doing it right oh my army outnumbers yours so there you go so there's going to be in Sekigahara it's the card draw as well as um 
well, the card draw predominantly, as well as the, the, the block draw as well, Your what, what units you can bring out. Right. And in Hammer of the Scots, there are combat roles yep. as well as the block draw as well. But I'll be honest with you, maybe in some small percentage of the games, it's going to be determined by that. But for the most part, there is skill to be had uh, to where a good player is still going to be, for the most part, yep. a, a player that just got lucky with the, the rolls of the draws. So, yeah, uh, both of those highly recommend uh, Seki Gahara from GMT and Hammer of the Scots or the entire series, basically, uh, for from Columbia Games, because that is pick a time period and it has something for you. Hammer of the Scots, Richard III, Julius Caesar. Um, and I think there might be one or two others in there that I'm not thinking of. But yeah, pick your theme, pick your time period, and go with one of those or Seki Gohar, and you're not going to go wrong. Streams were super entertaining. So, like, I can, see, I've never played either one of those games, but it, it's easy to see how tense, how exciting they are to play. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, even, even if things may or may not have gone my way. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So we played a game uh, called Pangea at uh, most recent game day I attended. Uh, and that was something. We played the game. Yep. All right. So let's talk about this because this, this, this is the one of the games that I was really looking forward to from, I mean, from Asset. Production quality is really good. Made, art is really cool. Yep. Awesome um, theme. Yep. A, a lot. And, and reading through the rules, we were all like, yeah, this this sounds pretty cool. So basically, we all represent a animal species or animal right. something along the lines, and there is an apocalypse coming. Yep. And as the game progresses, you may or may not get access to more and more information about the location of where this apocalypse is going to take place. Right. But also what type of apocalypse it's going to be, depending yep. on how far you advance on this track for the knowledge. You call it knowledge track, for lack of a better way to put it. So that pretty cool idea. It's got a bit of a area control, area majority kind of king of the hill type thing within certain area or each area on the board. And it has a thing called hunger in it to where if there are too many animals within a certain area, then some or all of them are going to die. You have to make a choice between scoring points and keeping your stuff on the board, which right. is a, that's a hard choice to make. Uh, right. So all of this sounded good. Yep. All right. And then each round, you're going to draw a couple of cards, which are going to be available actions. You have a certain number of action points that you're going to be able to uh, take uh, up to five different actions on your, uh, you know, doing one at a time going around the board. Right. Or going, yeah, going around in player order. However, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here that we should like. Yep. The way it was implemented, I think it had really good ideas that weren't quite 100% developed and fleshed out it doesn't feel tight enough right like the hunger mechanism it starts out to where zero one or two animals can be in a certain area in a given area depending on the 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 type of landscape that it's on right as the game progresses those numbers go up uniformly and universally all the way across the board yep and so in our game hunger never really became an issue in a four-player no. game and you're it, pretty tightly limited on the number of animals you can have on the board. 
so that like you really would have to push it to even create hunger in an area. And yeah. there, there were times there were certain cards that would score you points if you were able to create hunger. Yeah. And there were there were instances where we just we just couldn't. Right. And it it just didn't feel like the the scaling of the hunger. Like maybe it peaks in the middle and then drops off at the end, right? Like when the apocalypse is right. coming, or maybe it diminishes as it goes on and it gets tighter yep. and gets harder. But the way it was as is, that was one of the main main detriments, it felt like. The second one was some of the adaptation cards. Right. We were constantly having to cycle through the deck and 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 uh, uh, shuffle the cards, but all of the adaptations just felt, yeah, yeah. Something about that mechanism too is just maybe not quite right because the way it works, you sort of draw like potential adaptations into your hand and they're inactive, and then you have to spend an action to sort of activate them, and they're face down, and then you could sort of use them situa- situationally. And something about that just that also just didn't feel quite right yeah and i on top of that each of our animals could evolve and they yep. it, it, each of us has a special deck that actually was a, a my step fav- in the right that was my favorite part of the game yeah to where you basically can you can only do three evolutions total per player and so you have a deck of i don't know six or seven cards or whatever it yep. is so you're going to be able to adapt and, and or change evolve your animal into a you know new version of itself that has special rule breakers yep. so that was well done and the the gathering of information of the location and what the apocalypse was going to be on the surface, seemed like a cool idea, but as it was, um, one of the players just completely ignored that track and was just able to use some inductive reasoning and deductive reasoning based on what we were doing and where we were going. Oh, then they didn't have to waste those actions to be able to do that. Clever. I mean, so it was Martin Fowler who made that choice. Right. He's a clever guy. So. Sure. But... Um, that just didn't feel as great as well. Uh, yeah, I think that like you really have to commit actions to get all the way down that track. And it didn't feel like it was worth it. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It it had some really cool ideas. Just didn't quite come together. It, it really didn't. And yeah. I'm not going to subject anybody to I'm not going to be like, well, let's play it again. I'm going to just so it doesn't become like what we thought Terra Mara right. you was going sure to be. You want to make sure you don't miss it. Yeah. And make sure, okay, did we, and go back through the rule book, were we playing it right? And that type of thing. Because let's face it, and, and you guys have, have seen, if you've watched any of the playthroughs, I might have played a game half a dozen times. Still on occasion get rules wrong. Yep. Still miss stuff. Yep. So I want to definitely do that, but I'm not going to force anybody to do it. But <laughs> yeah, that felt like a, a big swing and a miss on that one, which that yeah, was that. that was a that was a pretty big disappointment um for me uh, on that. So that's uh Pangea from uh, Red Imp Games. So I got a few more here that I wanna I wanna touch on and maybe a little bit briefly. Uh one is a game, uh an older game from 2008 that's 13 years old now i can call that older right Uh, pacific typhoon from gmt games this game is fun this was a blast it's a a three to seven player this is close to a party game as gmt is going to come and it's definitely not a party game let me be clear it is a card 
based World War Pacific World War II theme game uh, with a lot of table talk, a little bit of dice rolling and a whole lot of negotiation um, or at least some negotiation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say a whole lot that it's just really well implemented. That is a lot of fun. The more players you have, the more chaotic it is, but also a lot more interesting that the battles themselves become in the gameplay itself. I think, yeah, I I think I I understand it plays three, but I don't think three would be anywhere near as interesting. I think we played at five. That felt really good. Yeah, five five or six, I feel like, is probably the sweet spot on this one. Because the way the way the the way the mechanisms work, basically, every round you will choose whether you're going to line up on the side of the the allies or the IJN, the Japanese. And uh, with three, it might be sort of predictably like two versus one or yet. Yeah, and, but with five, you just don't know how it's going to turn out. And the player who's a- the active player, they have a choice of two battles to fight, right? right? So they, okay, flip over two cards. We're fighting midway or we're fighting Pearl Harbor, whatever. And the other one goes to the discard and it's worth a certain amount of victory points to the, to the victor. But they also have a disadvantage that they have to play first, but they also get to pick when they pick the battle, the battle determines what year the battle is taking place. And obviously this being the Pacific, it's 41 to 45, one year in between there. Then depending on what the battle is, it could be day, could be night, could be either. And then they choose if it's either. And then think of it kind of as suits of cards is a good way to put it. And each card is going to have a, well, not each card, but a lot of the cards, the regular suit cards are going to have an air value, a surface value and an underwater value. Right. And whoever sets the battle. So maybe we're fighting midway during the day in midway. Oh God, it was in 42, I think. Yeah. 42. Uh, So we're fighting 42. So any ship that was available from 42, Yep. That, or, or later is able to take place. Uh, so there, not ship, but any, any card. Craft. That, yeah, right. right. Then you could choose either air, surface, underwater, or combined, which is all of them, which makes for really big battles. And you choose day or night. And so you play a card, and then the next player, you play either as the allies or the IJN. The next player then decides, oh, am I going to play on their side to try and boost their score right. for this? and to the victors go the spoil. Whoever ends up playing the highest number, the, the total value on their side, wins the victor, the, the loser's cards. Whoever played the highest point value card chooses the distribution of those cards. Yep. And they're going to be worth anywhere between zero and I think seven points. Right. And you must distribute the cards equally, not the points. And then it becomes a game of politicking. Well, I can play the IJN if anybody else later wants to try right. and help me out here, that type thing. And it just, it's a hoot. It's a really, really good time. I first got uh, familiar with this game at the World Board Game Championship when there are dice rolls potentially in this to where yep. I had a chance to make the finals in the World Board Game Championship. As long as I don't roll a one twice. <laughs> you know how that turned out. Yep. I rolled a one twice. <laughs> That's right. Bitter. That's how but it, how, how it was it a happens. blast. How it it was really, really a good time. Uh, there's an uh, earlier version of this game called Atlantic Storm, which, oh. wait for it, takes place in the Atlantic. Atlantic. Got it. And I know that there is a new version uh, coming out or was scheduled to come out okay. uh, of Pacific Typhoon, but I'm not sure if that ever did. I know that was from a couple years ago. But nonetheless, really, really thoroughly really enjoyed fun, this game. Really fun, really cool. Uh, you know, I love those games that like, 
they're they're spin-offs from the theme of like a childhood game. And this is game sort of feels like somebody like took the card game war and they were like, how do we make this into a real game? And the result is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's really a lot of fun. So Pacific yeah. Typhoon, you're going to see it on the show, hopefully sooner rather than later um, with a good group of folks. And it should be really entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so last one for me um, at the last game day, we played a game. I, it's a new to me game. Uh, Goa. Uh, and that Classic, was right. Yeah, there. that was a That was a killer. Um, so great sort of like bidding auction game. Uh, I not sure I fully grokked it, to be honest. I don't I don't think I uh, I don't think I it was not my finest hour, um, but I had fun getting my butt kicked. Forgive um, me to uh, enjoy a little schadenfreude <laughs> right now. Um, I'm OK with this. So uh, just mechanisms I've never really seen anywhere before. Um, it felt really different than other games that I'd played. Um, cool. Really, really, a, really a fun play. Yeah, a, a, a very highly respected, very well-known auction or bidding game from Rudiger Dorn. Yeah. Uh, this came back. Uh, I'm looking it up now. It came out in 2004. So this is, you know, classic. It, yeah. You know, time frame in, in, here. In, in this hobby, 16 years old is pretty old. It, that That's... Yeah. Yep. ancient and it still holds up today and yeah. i think it still feels it feels very much classic euro but it also feels like it's aged really well like yep. it it holds up today yeah um if you have not played goa i highly recommend you guys trying to get a game of it in and checking it out yeah, um, it was awesome. yeah that that is a classic for a reason it's still uh very well respected so it came out 16 17 years ago still ranked uh in top 150 on BGG, which that that's pretty good. Not, staying not power. easy to do. Yeah. Right. Nice. All right. So very briefly, a couple others that I want to talk about. Uh, Habengut, another classic uh, auction game that is my has one of my favorite mechanisms in it. Uh, this came out in 2008 in Habengut. You it's commodity speculation. So you're buying and adjusting a market based on, you know, uh, playing cards. My two favorite things about this game, though, is you have some portion of information. You share a a card holder's worth of cards with two players. Okay. You share one card holder with the player to your left, and you share one card holder with the player to your right. So they see the cards that you're playing, and you see, but you only see half of the information of theirs, obviously, right? Right. And it plays three to five players. It's best probably with four or five. And... The commodity speculation aspect of it is you play one of the cards, which is, I think, like plus six to like minus two or something like or minus three, something like that. The value like I raise spice up six or something like that. You play one card from one card rack at full value and you play one card from the other card rack half value. It doesn't matter. The left one could be half value or full value. The right one could be the same. And you do this over and over and you're buying and and selling uh, uh, commodities as well. But the best part of the game, in my opinion, is at the end of every round, everybody has a chance to donate to charity, which is fine. The game comes in two halves. The first half, you cash out and it's done in secret. Like either somebody you you're allowed to donate, if you will, to charity one uh, stock share of whatever it is. Halfway through the game, you cash that out, and that money is in charity. The end of the game, you and you get a chance to do this every round. Whoever's the stingiest player 
whoever invested the least in charity is out of the game. Doesn't matter anything else. They're out of the game. They they were too stingy. You cannot win the game. That's great. And a lot of times it becomes a game of, oh, I way, way was too generous to charity and ended up costing myself the game because, oh, I put way too many high value stocks into charity. Right. But if other people are doing that and you're not doing that, then you're going to be the player that can't win. Yeah. Oh, just it masterful like game. There's enough going on there. It sounds like that, like you can't just be the second least generous. You you, you can't right? tell. You have to also figure out the stock market. Right. Stuff Plus too. you're trying, yeah. whoever has the most money wins at the end because you cash out all your shares. Yep. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so, so good. I watched the end of a playthrough you guys had. At, at one of the game days it looked like it was yeah it was a blast this is one that uh, we're going to stream when when Rand's available it's his copy of the game so cool. this is uh hopefully in in uh in april we're going to get this one to the table it's so good love nice. love having goot or having gut is how it's spelled yep all right so the last one that i will mention uh okay three real quick undaunted normandy quick little beer and pretzels two-player uh, card-driven war game. Yep. Uh, really well done. I enjoyed that far more than I thought I would and highly, highly recommend checking out Undaunted Normandy. That nice. was solid. Warpgate is a very simplified um, space exploration, a little bit of combat, like two and a half X game, if yep. you want to call it that, that uh, you have a hand of cards that you're going to be augmenting. And at any given time, you can play in the first round, you play to the times one. So whatever card you play there, like get more ships times one, you get one new ship. Then the second round you play in the times two, et cetera, et cetera. And cool. it's very, very basic and relatively simple, but actually really well done. Yeah. It's not without, you know, it's not perfect. But really well done. I cool. really enjoyed my play of Warp Gate. So that's coming up on a stream at some point. It will be nice. And I figure I'll, I'll, I'll finish with what I'm calling a classic at this point. Uh, came out in 2013, which is kind of the year I really got into the hobby. And when I first really got into board game, uh, you know, designer board games in the heavier end of the si- uh, of the scale. And that is a game from Aaron Hogg. Uh, originally and only to the best of my knowledge, uh, published by Argentum Verlag. It's a game called Yunnan. Oh my God, is this game brutal? Yeah, it's an auction game, uh, and network kind of route building. That it's about the tea trade, uh, in um, in in Yunnan in China, in Yunnan in in China, trying to get to the Pu'er province, right? Right. Yep. And it is so brutally mean to one another that, but it is so gloriously good uh, to where at the you're basically at the end you can convert points. You can either take it in cash or take it in points. Any mix, and it becomes a race to well, I I need money to be able to do the auction, but it's where do you pivot to where you start taking a lot more points instead of money? And there's a whole lot of take that in this game. This is not a game for Rado. Let me go ahead and preface that <laughs> right there. Uh, Richard, just avoid this one. But uh, seriously, probably best at four or five players. Legitimately, probably at five. Um, it plays in about 90 minutes. You're definitely going to be seeing this once we can uh, organize five people for uh, yeah. the stream. But Yunnan is gloriously devilish and such a good game. Yeah, I got in on this one at one of the game days, and it is a it is a blast. The auction for so you you basically auction off actions, and in in the first half of a round. 
And uh, those auctions are just devastatingly tough to, 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 to deal with. Like you don't want to pay, but you also don't want to lose. It's the, it's the best kind of like test to put, put you to. Yeah. Right. It, it takes all the, and again, mechanically very simple, yep. but, but such a good game. So Yunnan definitely nice. highly, highly recommend checking that out. Well, there you go. That was just a couple of little board games. Yeah. Just one or one or I have no idea how many we just did, but that was a lot. I think that should that should give folks a a whole lot to to dig into and to check out, uh, whether it's on the streams on Heavy Cardboard or whether it's just going on to BGG and doing some reading up on these games, whatever. Uh, yeah, I I think that I th- I'd call that a success. I mean, I don't know how it's going to be received, but <laughs> you guys like hearing about board games. I hear that. We just talked about a whole lot of them. So yeah, that was we a lot of fun. some ground. Yeah. yeah. Well done, dude. Seriously, nice. you're you're natural at this. You're you we're you're coming back for Terra Mystica, right? Let's do it. Okay, I, I, w- I would love to do that. I I I could talk about that game for a while. Okay, so, well, good. I get I get to you know have the uh, the fancy mics when we do the uh, the podcast. You, you did, it's the, not like not like the just the little the little lapel mics. For no, the, uh, for no, the the, these are these are nice. These so. are these are. They're all right. Yeah. They're not bad. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, um, once we get you uh, a couple of games of a uh, Gaia project in, I, I think that'd be awesome to be, be able fun. to compare and contrast that. Love it. Right. That'd be cool. Cool. All right. So look for that. So Ken, well done, dude. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, are you on any kind of social media? I am not. Okay. So don't I worry about no getting a hold of it. So me. here's the thing about working at a school, being on social media, oh, right. not, not great. You, first of all, I don't want kids to friend me. Second that's of all, awkward. I don't want to see what they're doing. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. See, these are things that I don't yeah, consider, don't, but when you, you spell it, it out like that, I'm like, oh yeah, no bad idea. Yeah, no. Okay. So, that's, so, that's um, why. Yeah. so if you're in the Boston area, um, you can look me up. There you go. Drop and, by, drop by heavy cardboard for a game day or, yeah. or, or see him on the stream and heckle him and, and tell him to, you know, on occasion, not drop nukes on my head that'd be awesome <laughs> all right thanks a lot and hopefully you guys enjoyed it uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks with pax transhumanity so uh yeah check out the podcast obviously you're listening to it check out the uh streams over on youtube um twitter facebook all that fun stuff etc cetera, etc cetera. Nice. ken great job man good job for you too this is really fun all right we'll catch you all in a couple of weeks take care y'all all right bye